Tune in to the Neil Prenderville Show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM. Story actually that doesn't actually make the front pages of papers but certainly makes the inside pages but it's very important nonetheless. It's the 25 million that the government is giving to fund the Irish music industry from the top down. Uh, 25 million would be spread about like the likes of Aiken, uh, MCD and people like that and 237 other companies across the country are being given a lifeline line to help gigs and festivals happen this year. I'd love actually to, to get get a to get a kind of a, a roadmap as to you know over the summer say outdoor and things like that if gigs were to happen and they possibly could happen who'd be able to go you know for people with a vaccine people with a first dose vaccine people who did a covid test before the gig or i wonder how it would actually work but it's it's interesting at the least we're we're thinking about this so they must be uh, ready to open the doors on this i mean no, not quite literally because much of it may well be outdoors but even when they are indoors of course they're going to need they're going to need funding. So two million of that will be Cork venues, according to the Echo today. And they break it down brilliantly. Over two million in funding has been allocated to a number of businesses and organizations in Cork. Right now, just talking about the city, I'm talking about the county as well. And if you just have a second or two, uh, the scheme will provide a big boost to jobs, performers, artists, support staff, as well as the public. And some of those who will benefit, and this is just some of them who will benefit, will be the White Horse and Ballancolic, who's given 130, just, just under 132,000 euro. Independence Music Festival. They're going to put on an outdoor concert at the Tromore Valley Park. Brilliant, isn't it? And they're getting uh, €264,500. Uh, add to that, then, then Debarras and Clonic Kilty received 132 grand. Cypress Avenue got 152 grand. Trebogan Holiday Camp is getting 140 grand. Connolly's of Lep, 132 grand. And 150, nearly 156,000 for Crane Lane Theatre. So 24 allocations of funding have been made right across Cork. So I think that's a great story. It's making all of the papers. The hospital admissions just continue to tumble uh, and case numbers are falling by uh, 20% in a week. And so go and do the math yourself. I mean, simple sums will tell you where this coronavirus is going. I, I know it comes with the caveat of the, of the Delta virus or the Delta variant. I know that. But certainly if you look back at airports and the mail has a little story buried away saying that, you know, if you looked at the whole COVID journey, um, airports and travellers through airports dropped in this country by 93%. I mean, you know, like you want to be, almost like if you were dodging a bullet trying to get to an airport in the last 15 months so you can see why it was 93%. But then there's the story of the woman who had a very bad reaction to the first dose of the AstraZeneca vaccine. And on the basis that she had a very bad reaction, she was refused the second dose. Um, medical experts have come out now and said, you know what? She should be allowed to switch her COVID vaccine. She should be allowed to take a different one than Astra, Astra so that she can be safe and doesn't have an awful reaction or a very, very serious reaction to the second dose of Astra. So that's a story that makes uh, the sun today. And it's quite interesting because the Cork man, uh, Richard Hogan, the Dublin-based therapist, uh, talks to RSVP Live. And I was reading it overnight. And he's proof that uh, people that are not fully vaccinated against COVID uh, until after their incubation period... um, can get COVID-19. What I'm saying is that he was struck down by the virus over the weekend, five days after he received his second COVID-19 vaccine. I don't know if he has some time in his busy calendar, but it might be interesting to have a chat with him. He got his first Astra, Astra dose in March 
and he got his second one on the 8th of June uh, on a Tuesday and then the following Friday he starts feeling sick and he gets the COVID test on the Saturday and he's confirmed on the Sunday with COVID like a week after the second dose um, he said it's like a bad David, uh, bad Craig David song we're asking him well you know what, what are the symptoms of COVID after the second jab when you're supposed to be 100% protected upset tummy, body aches Bad head cold. Uh, the HSC apparently said something. He was one of the very few really unlucky ones that managed to contract COVID despite being fully vaccinated. Do you know the big debate that's going on here as to whether staff need to be vaccinated to go back to work? Indeed, whether you, you and, and you have civil liberties and rights where you're protected, of course. Whether you are um, obliged to tell people whether you've been vaccinated or not, or indeed whether those within the healthcare sector have to be vaccinated or not, the answers to all of those are no, of course. Uh, but in the UK, it's different. On the front page of the Times this morning, there's a heavy hit headline saying mandatory COVID jabs for NHS and care home staff. They're saying that workers and care home staff within the NHS will be legally required to have coronavirus vaccinations under plans that have the personal support of Boris Johnson. And that's not all. They're also saying that they won't employ anybody, as in new jobs within those sectors, unless they've had the jabs. I won't say a whole lot at this stage about the uh, reports on the traveller site at Spring Lane. Because uh, there's a lot in this. There are a couple of stories making the papers this morning. One is the damning findings of the three-year investigation into the Spring Lane halting site, right? And the other then is the amount of travellers who were... And one report contradicts Ken O'Flynn's questions to City Council on Monday night. Uh, and that was the amount of houses that were offered to travellers. Um, because the report says very few. But Council on Monday night pointed out that quite a lot of houses were offered... And refuse. So I won't say much about it now, but I will be returning it this morning because it's important to drill in to the questions Ken O'Flynn asked and the answers he got. But unfortunately, the, the north side gets hit once again. Three post offices now have been shut. Uh, it may not mean much to many people, but to those that use them, particularly those uh, that are mobile, or don't have cars or live in the area or indeed are elderly, it's a lifeline. And for me, I love things like post offices. I love things like corner shops. I love things like pubs. I love things like chemists because they, they form part of the community. They're the nucleus, the bones of which business, the, the bones of which communities can uh, can thrive and prosper on. Small schools, things like that. So a third one's gone now. Apparently, the Montanati post office is gone, uh, and and I'm told that it's um, it's a good eight hundred. Oh no, it's nearly a thousand meter walk now for people. Uh, to use the post office in, in St. Luke's. Papers also talk about MICA, the MICA scheme. This, has, this doesn't affect us down here. It's the crumbling of bricks, not unlike pyrite from some years back. The people who got pyrite in their homes got 100% redress, 100% compensation. It doesn't look like uh, the government want to give 100% uh, redress and compensation to those people whose houses and homes and businesses uh, the, the the bricks, the mortar and everything um, had way too much of um, the, the, the bad stuff in the bricks. Well, I'm going to be too technical about it. That's why they're protesting and marching and they're going to continue to do so. And they say they're going to continue to descend on Dublin 
until they get 100%. I think they probably will because people power makes all the difference. And of course, it's interesting to see Leo Varadkar talking about a united Ireland and look, talking about it within his, um, within his lifetime. Uh, I, I think politicians are amazing. They grab onto anything that could be deemed as being populist. He could well be right, incidentally. But who'd have thought we'd have been talking here about Fine Gael going on about a united Ireland when that was always the mantra of Sinn Féin? It's very fair to say, I think, in my opinion, that if Sinn Féin sat back and did nothing now, if Sinn Féin took a load of holiday homes down on West Cork and just hung out there and kept their mouth shut and said nothing stupid uh, and waited for the next general election, <laughs> they'd be in government. Why did, Ronald, why did Ronaldo get rid of the Coke bottles on the table, uh, the Portuguese star at the press conference. I mean, what was that about? It kind of looks stupid anyway, having Coke bottles or sugary drinks on a table where you have sports stars on the basis that they don't drink the stuff anyway, do they? I mean, I know they drink, don't they drink LucasAid Energy? I'm assuming there is LucasAid Energy in the LucasAid Energy bottle. Uh, Is it that Ronaldo just said that I'm not having this in the photograph because it's unhealthy and I don't want kids to think that this is what I drink. This is actually what I drink. And he held up the water bottle. I'm intrigued by the story. I don't know why. Maybe it's just those quirky ones that I love. Makes all the tabloids this morning. And then, as you heard in the news, the 10-year-old boy whose slitter went missing and fell into the tide there down in Black Rocky. And, of course, what, what would you be practicing and playing Black Rock? Only hurling. And, of course, uh, down it went, down the estuary, all the way off to Wales. Fabulous, fabulous story. Makes all the papers today in quite some detail. Michal Og Dwayne Fogarty, the age of 10, practicing his hurling skills. And he had a long puck fada all the way to Wales. And young fella found it and he was reunited with the little slitter. Papers also to talk today of another really amazing reunification story. And this is this family pet, right? A cat, a 16-year-old cat, not a slitter now, a cat, went missing from his home in Warrington in Cheshire. Don't you love that? A cat that lives in Cheshire uh, on the 19th of May. And cats go missing. They go on the prowl. They go on the tear. They go on the, you know, on the missing list for a few nights. But apparently the dad saw a similar looking cat dead on the M6. Right? So he picks up the dead cat. They mourn the dead cat. For don't they be thinking that the dead cat is their 16-year-old missing tabby cat. So they had the cat cremated. But then what happens? <laughs> The original cat reappears and they think, oh my God, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco, working to make food more sustainable. Oh, I don't know. I should know something. It's almost like a dad joke. And the minute I mentioned one or two dad jokes on the air yesterday, I started to get flooded with other dad jokes and loads of people were texting them into me. It wasn't really applicable in a lot of what I was doing yesterday to return to the dad jokes, but I hope to do so today. I was telling you about the world winning dad joke yesterday, but I will read out some more of them across the morning. I promise you that because I got loads of them and I'm always very keen to follow up on things that people send me when they get in touch. Also, I'm getting some stuff migrating to my Instagram. Can I just say, with regards to Instagram, I don't see everything every single day on the day or on the correct day. So forgive me for that if I don't get to everything on time. But I do endeavor over time to eventually get to all of it. Uh, And I will this morning 
because I print stuff off and bring it in. Like I got a lovely one in that came in from Marguerite Henry to my Instagram that I hadn't seen on time. And she said, can you please wish my darling daughter, Donna Dorney from Saline, the happiest of birthdays for Tuesday. My apologies now to Marguerite and more importantly to Donna for being a day late. But the family say, wish her, uh, the, she says, we wish you a birthday this beautiful, incredible and unique, as unique as you are. Uh, may you forever sparkle and shine like the star that you are. We love you so much, Mum, uh, John, sister, Paula, brothers, Darren and Rick. And that came in from Marguerite. Happy to do that 24 hours late. My apologies for it. Okay, so to the phone lines we go on this busy uh, Wednesday morning. Lines open at 1850-104-106. Joan, morning. Can you hear me all right? Hello? Joan, there you are. Is, is this line Hi. okay? Is this line okay for you? Yeah, perfect. I can hear you now. Good, good. Glad to hear. Listen, thanks for getting in touch. Thanks for sharing your story with the lads. We've been doing a little bit of digging on different properties and rental prices. God knows it's ridiculous, but it's always interesting to hear of the struggles of people going through property dilemmas. Tell me yours. Yeah, Yeah, so um, we are due a baby in December. So actually, Corona just kind of messed everything up for us because we were meant to be getting married this July and we had to move next July. So we kind of had to move things around a bit. Yeah, so we're expecting now in December and we're in like a small two-bedroom apartment and he works from home and like we just have no space. Like it's not suitable for a child at all. And like we love our apartment. We've been there for over nine years. We have a great relationship with our landlord, but it's just not suitable. Are you a city? Are you a city liver? then? Yes, we're in Rochester. Oh, well, that's not the city, but you're in the, the suburbs. Well, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, we have to move, but we've been trying that for the last two months. And, and why do you have to move? Do you, do you mind me asking? Is it because of the cramped size for the baby on the way? Yeah, it's just we're like we're up in a height and it's really hard. Like, it'd be really hard to get a buggy up oh, there. I know. And, yeah, and I also know. with him working from home, it's like, because I'd be almost like a prisoner in the bedroom because he has to work in like the living room to get I reception because we're up at a height, you know, that kind of way. Oh, um, really? Yeah. So it's, this, yeah. it's the dragging the buggy up and down the stairs, working from home, yeah. very tight, yeah. falling over each other. I get it, yeah. yeah and have you been have you been looking? Yes, yeah, so we've been looking out for about two months, I guess. Like we've been, unfortunately, we've been looking like out towards like Watergrass Hill, Middleton direction, just because the prices in Douglas are absolutely crazy. I mean, two and three grand a month. I don't know how anyone could afford that and be able to save for a mortgage at the same time. It's just impossible. Have so. you seen places for three grand a month? Yeah, loads, loads. Yeah, um, in the Douglas area, you wouldn't get anything less than like one eight to like over two grand. Um, what so, would you yeah. be getting for the one eight, a three bedroom, semi front and back garden kind of thing? Yeah, and sometimes not even. I've seen apartments for two grand, and you know places in Bishopstown and stuff for two grand, and you wouldn't mind if they were absolutely stunning, but some of them are not. So yeah, it's just insane. I just I don't know if there's no rules for landlords or what they feel they can charge whatever they want, but at the same time, who can afford that? And if they can, wouldn't you just buy a house? So I just, I don't understand, to be honest. Um, have, have you been aware of the fact that what's been happening an awful lot, and I know it, and I have a lot of personal experience of this, what's happening now is that landlords are very keen on people who wish to share. And on, a, on the basis of a three-bedroom house where they have people who wish to share, um, or even yeah. a four-bedroom is better, the rent is divided into four different people's salaries, if you like, Yeah. So they okay. can get between two grand and two and a half grand out of three stroke four people. Oh my gosh. Whereas, yeah. whereas for a family, 
with say one yeah. two or two income, they can't mm-hmm. afford that. Yeah. You know, they yeah, can't of afford course. that. Yeah. Of course, so so yeah. you looked then and you were saying that you saw um one particular property, small cottages opposite Douglas Credit Union. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like 2,700. They're not even fully built yet, so there's not proper pictures up. But they're going for 2,700 on the main road. It's but surely insane. it's just not a small cottage. There's got to be a massive extension on the back of them or something, is there? Well, there's not even proper photos up yet. It's just kind of drawing, so I'm not 100% sure, but it looks small. I mean, it's, it just says two-bedroom cottage, so I can't imagine it's that big. It says a two-bedroom cottage. Yeah, yeah. Twenty-seven fifty. Yeah, <sighs> I don't know if the location being in Douglas, and um, maybe because it's on the road. It's like literally two minutes walk from Tesco, so I don't know. Maybe it's the convenience of it. That sounds insane to me. Insane, absolutely insane. It's still on daft. Um, Anything else that you? Because we've seen we've seen stuff <laughs> like Bracken Court in Douglas. Fifteen. I mean, what's your budget? Um, well, we've been trying to find something between maybe one, two, one, four, or four will be, our, I suppose, the most we go. Just and like we're looking outside of the city, we have found places that price, but like I've applied for over twenty properties and we okay. haven't got any call back. Talk, no talk to us about nothing. that then. You've said fourteen hundred yeah. is the budget, and you've gone after properties yeah. for fourteen hundred. Yeah. How's that yeah. working out when you apply for a viewing? Um, so we've been going through that because none of the agencies will talk to you in person. All the offices are closed, so it's through email only. Yeah. Um, so I've definitely applied for well over 20 properties over the last two months. And they just keep saying, oh, you're on the list. Best of luck. They ask you like a little questionnaire. So like, how much do you earn? Where do you work? And do you have pets? How many of, of you is moving into the house? And then they're just like, oh, you're on the list. Best of luck. And you never hear anything again. Do you, do they ask you if you have babies, children, pregnant, or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. They ask how many um, is moving in, like how many kids and how many adults. So um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's quite interesting. If you were to put down pets, like for instance, if you had a dog, would that would that uh-huh. knock would you that knock you off the off the list? Over? Oh, definitely. Yeah, a lot of landlords don't want pets. Mm. And I feel like some landlords don't want kids either. Maybe they feel like kids will ruin their property. I don't know. But if if I was a landlord, I think I'd prefer a responsible family moving in instead of, you know, young people that might wreck the place, you know. I know what you're so saying. I guess it just depends. It yeah. depends, I guess, on the So landlord. on the 20 that you went after that were within your budget and you answered all those questions honestly, mm-hmm. uh, how many viewings and, and callbacks or appointments did you get? Absolutely none. How many of them actually came back at all? Um... With Rose Properties, you just got to get like an automatic reply, but the rest of them, I think I got a reply from D&G saying best of luck and never heard anything again. So, yeah. It seems to be who you know as well. You know, if you get lucky with a private landlord who has a contact, you know, you think. Yeah, I know. People have to try and pull every available string that they have, you know. I I wonder are a lot of them gone, even though they are advertised, that they go through the motions of advertising, but they actually have given to somebody already, do you think? Yeah, it's quite possible. A few people have said to me that, you know, they'd have people on their list and they might give them a call before they even put them up online. So it is a possibility. Okay, I found that one you were talking about because I staggered back when I heard you say 2,750. That's um, uh, Douglas West. We call that the back village, right? Yeah. So that it's a three-bed, two-bath house. The front part of it, I imagine, is, is a cottage, but they must be building something at the back of it. 
um, and it'll yeah, be ready for yeah, yeah exactly uh, it'll be yeah. ready for July 19th yes indeed the m- monthly rental will be 2750 a month um, it's the highest standard finish and everything you know it's got the bar aerating and top quality flooring and tiling and fixtures and fittings and it's got an air mm-hmm. to water heating system it's got underfloor heating um, it, it's it's not your typical rental. I understand. Would you agree with me? I, I understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah. definitely. But still, twenty seven fifty is twenty seven fifty. But I did see yeah. others though. Fifteen hundred for Bracken Court and Douglas for a three bed. Thirteen hundred and forty one for a, a two bed one bath an apartment uh, in Maryborough. Uh, there's a house three bed three bath in uh, Mount Oval for sixteen eighty five. Is that outside your uh, your budget? Uh. No, it's, it, well, yeah, with 1,600 wood. But we are looking for three just because um, two is a bit small at the minute. Three bed? I guess, but yeah. Yeah, three bed. Yeah, yeah. And just kind of look um, at stuff that, I mean, that aren't a house. Really yeah. We're just kind of over apartments at the minute. Like, we've been there for nine years, so we're just hoping for a house that that will tie us over until after the wedding and we can get a mortgage, you know? Yeah, but you have been looking, like I've been, we've been looking. Um, Rose Properties, for mm-hmm. instance, have a three bed, one bath house on the Well Road for 1469 do you see that one? Um, no, I haven't. Maybe it just went up. It I could, haven't looked yet this morning. It, it could have done. It. Uh, well, yeah. Absolute Properties have have have. have um, ah, damn, that's an apartment again. There's an awful lot of apartments. Uh, an off the majority yeah. of what I'm seeing are apartments. Yeah, a lot of apartments. Sure, yeah. Yeah. So, what what are you going to do? I re- I really don't know. I guess we're we're lucky in a way that like there's no our landlord is so lovely and he's not kicking us out, but we're just eager to find something before the baby comes or maybe shortly after, um, so we can just get organised and stuff because there's no there's no space for even a cot or a buggy or anything like that. Oh, for God's sake, I know, and it's typical of so many young people just like yourselves who are really really struggling. Have Have you thought about maybe not renting and trying? Yeah, because your fourteen hundred or maybe fourteen fifty would mm-hmm. go a long way to you owning your own house with a mortgage. I know, I know, we have, but just with the wedding coming up, we we just can't afford to go for a mortgage at the minute. And I was out of work as well due to COVID. Yeah. Not me having COVID, but our, you know, it's Salem was shot. So I know, um, yeah, I know. The only other thing that will happen um, is that you probably will have to widen your compass search. You know, to look at satellite towns that have good amenities, your Middletons, your Watergrass Hill, uh, you yeah. know, your Ro- you are in Rochestown as it is, your Carrigan yeah. Lines. Uh, I don't know. I, I think Ballincollig's gone crazy expensive as it is anyway. But would you look further mm-hmm. afield maybe? Yeah, we have to. Um, yeah, I mean, ideally, in an ideal world, I'd love to live in Douglas because all my family are here. But I mean, we have to to afford you know, a house we would have to go out a good bit, which is okay. Um, and, and the cheaper ones then, I'm told, are awful. Brenda Dennehy, um, she was living in the city and she works on this mm-hmm. program and she had a home that was being sold and she had to move out and, and move back home to uh, to Bally Desmond. But she couldn't find mm-hmm. anything at the time, if, if I'm right in what she was telling me, within her budget. And some of the ones that mm-hmm. she did actually go to view that were in the budget were Kip's absolute tips. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. yeah. Some of them, I just don't know how they feel they have the right to charge so much when they're not even decent, you know. Well, it's about supply and demand. It's about what people are willing to take. Yeah, of course. You know, it's a it really too. I mean, 
if you can't even get a viewing, like at one point I was like, oh my God, the first viewing we'll get, we're just going to go for it. And he was like, no, you have to be patient. We have to get something that actually suits us. You know what I mean? But you do, you panic. And you probably take the first thing you're offered, you know. That's true, you know, and I'm very disappointed. Not surprised, but disappointed that you sent out 20. Uh, you got one response from DNG saying best of luck. You got the automated ones from Rose Properties and not, didn't get a viewing. Nothing at all from anyone. Anyone. No. It's no. heartbreaking. It really is heartbreaking. Mm, it is, is. It, is it a worry for you now with the baby on the way then? Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. a worrier anyway, but yeah, it's... There's not a minute that it doesn't pass my mind, you okay. know. Well, listen, uh, yeah. um, we'll, we'll, we'll try and shake the trees a bit, see what we can mm-hmm. find. You never know who might be listening, who may have something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and, and if we do hear of anything, I'll be in touch with you, all right? Just keep your fingers crossed. Perfect. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. So, but it is a three bed, not a two bed. Yeah, I mean, if it's a spacious two bed, it'd be fine. But it's just at the minute he needs an office to work because it's just, you know, too claustrophobic with him being in the kitchen and stuff. So I know, I but uh, but I wouldn't ru- just between you and me and the rest of the listeners. Yeah, I wouldn't rule it out. I, I wouldn't. Don't rule out a two bed. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and can I just ask you one question as well before I go? Uh-huh. And I'm just this is me just being curious. You're not spending huge money on the wedding, are you? At the to the detriment of trying to find somewhere to live. No. No, no. I mean, we just wanted a, a small enough wedding anyway, but. Um, like I have quite a big family so um, we just wanted all our family and friends to be there so I mean about a hundred it's not a massive wedding or anything like that but we you know we've been dreaming of this wedding for a long time so we just want to get that done first and then focus on the mortgage you know oh, oh I'm not I'm not I'm not saying don't get married uh, my, yeah. my, my question is I'm just curious as to how much you are going to spend on the day okay well we're, our budget is about 10 grand so mm. So we have most of it paid off now anyway. Oh, do you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it was meant to be this July. So, so does anybody yeah. think that that's kind of halfway to a deposit for a house kind of thing, no? Oh, it is. Yeah, no, yeah. it is. <laughs> if, it were me, yeah. if it were me, I'd be booking a few tables in a restaurant and putting a deposit together for a house. But that's just me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want your big day. I do, yeah. You right. only get to do it once. All course, right, so okay. <laughs> All right, well, listen, if you hear anything, I'll be back to you, all right? Okay, perfect. Thanks so Lovely much. Lovely chatting. Take care, Joan. You too. Take Cheers, care. Actually, it's an interesting article. You'd be very interested in this. I don't know if you've got a second or not. Maya Dunphy's in the papers this morning, and so are some other girls um, who are actually selling their wedding dresses because they believe that they will never, ever, 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 ever get to use them again, nor to get married again. And they really regret. Don't ask me the designer names of the dresses that they bought, but they were some of them were triple barrel designer names, very expensive gown. Maya Dunphy's cost a fortune. She married Johnny Vegas. Um, and they and I'm not saying that they regret the huge amounts of money, but she just is looking at it in a wardrobe in a box and figures that she's gonna auction it off for charity. Yeah. Just just get rid of it. A lot of people do. You know, that's buzzy at the moment because of the Boris Johnson's wife story. Did you hear that? Where she, no. she, she, was, she looked beautiful on the wedding day, but she rented her dress for 45 euro. I do think it was a designer dress. But there's lots of kind of, kind of social consciousness now around clothing and reusing clothing and, you know, having, um, a tiny wardrobe it's called a, uh, what's it called a capsule wardrobe now wardrobe, as well yeah. instead of having loads oh listen to him he even knows what it is listen to the metrosexual Erla telling you you have to have the black the, the black number and then fit everything around with the coloured bits but talking what? about the 
po- talking about the, you know yourself Lee. I don't know <laughs> I do not know how a woman's wardrobe is, like, is designed <laughs> but look talking about wedding dresses and auctioning them off there's quite a lot of people well I know a few people that use keep the, the wedding dress um, like my own wife has her wedding dress at the top of the wardrobe I don't know what she's keeping it for but maybe she might cut daughter. it down and yeah. and use it for my daughter's um, communion communions well, the, the christening is sorted. Of well, the I sister friend, will let the christening go. I had a friend who um, got married in her mum's dress there a couple of years ago. I did attempt to sell my dress, actually. It's still sitting in my the wardrobe. Vera, the Vera Wang? I, I, uh, no, it wasn't a Vera Wang at all. It was a. Uh, How many ma- these are just names it I was know. A Spanish, <laughs> it was a Spanish designer. Manuel Mota, I think. He's since died. But, um, he died a very rich man, I'd say. He did, I'd say. But I did attempt, and I think one or two lovely girls came to view it, and I got a bit weirded out. You know, they were trying trying it on stuff I got a little bit kind of cheese this is my dress did you sell it I didn't no I kept it so I didn't I didn't I stopped it I didn't kind of take any more Lorraine Keane has started a charity now I think in association with Oxfam right and you sell your dress and yeah, the proceeds go to Oxfam which is good I, I might end up doing that but of course now that I have a daughter I am holding out for the fact that she might wear it I was even looking but at it but will it, it be in fashion I think it, well it's, it's lace it's Spanish lace and she'll be half Spanish so I think it's a nice thing well, Dunphy was saying in the article that hers is in a box and her she has this living fear that if she doesn't check it often enough in the years and years to come, that one day she'll open the box and there'll be a huge big moth hole I in know, it. I know, I know. And she that's why she it. just says, I can't be arsed anymore. Yeah. Actually, I, I need to check with, with my own wife, Paula, because she has a friend and I saw the photograph of her wedding during the week. Stunning girl, beautiful wedding dress. 45 euro. Yeah, that's the thing. No, it's incredible. Uh, yeah, Boris's wife, you know, she has definitely set a trend as well because you're only wearing it for one day, you know. But there are, we had this conversation before, a lot oh, of no, women are wiping You're just up. thinking that maybe you're kind of hedging your bets and, you know, might this, this might not work out, you know. <laughs> With my current husband, is it? <laughs> Five year business plan. <laughs> All right, lines are open to that, guys. Let those two chat off air. 1850-104-106. You can text 0868-104-106. On that one. Hey, it's Killian. Join me Sundays from 10 for loads of music, a bit of chat, and my mildly interesting facts of the weekend. It's the Sunday 10 to 2 show with Killian on Cork's Red FM. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851 Red FM. Ah, yes, indeed. Uh, the Neil is Thick Brigade are out in force again this morning. Neil, you can get the flu after getting a flu vaccine. Nobody claims that being fully vaccinated gives you 100% protection. We you please stop spouting rubbish about vaccines? Okay, okay. And then another one on me trying to work out how, why uh, Ronaldo moved the Coke bottles. Are you thick or what? He didn't want to be seen to be endorsing it. Duh. He'd get a fortune to endorse Coke. Okay, well, that could be one of the reasons. Um, still remains somewhat of a mystery to me. Wouldn't he also get endorsements for labelled and branded, branded water bottles? But anyway, just on the upside, Georgina got in touch by email to say, I'd like to pray, I like to praise the bridge as I go over it. I love that term. I like to praise the bridge as I go over it. Nice bridge. Thank you, bridge. Myself and my family took a trip to Murphy's Rock the other evening. The service and food was amazing and great value. The staff were very friendly. The whole experience, very professional. There was a lovely ambience about the outdoor area with plenty of seating, very well decorated. We relaxed 
after our meal, we were allowed to stay, had our few drinks in comfort without any imposition of a time limit. I believe more positive experiences should be spoken about. Take a bow to Bernard and the crew at Murphy's Rock. Kind regards, says Georgina. I hope you get to read this out. Well, there you have it. Job done. I myself yesterday was inside in the city. I'll talk about that a little later on this morning because otherwise I'll just get backed up. Can I just say that it was incredible? It was, I won't talk much about it now, but it was just a wonderful, wonderful experience to be in Cork City yesterday for two and a half to three hours. It was, and I'll tell you more about it a little later on this morning. If you haven't been in yet, you will absolutely love it. But back to the phone lines we go. Laura, good morning. Good morning. How are okay, you? just chatting there with Joan. Um, does it ring bells with you? Bells of similarity? Yeah, it does. Yeah, we've been um, living in our rental for the last 16 years due for different reasons. We had tried to get a mortgage twice. It just, when the boom hit, so we didn't bother. We stayed where we were. And about seven years ago, we were going to go again and I got pregnant. So that delayed things. And we're quite happy where we are. And our landlord has always been quite happy where we are. Um, well, there's no point looking back at those 16 years of rental now because you can't change time. No, 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 no. And, you know, it's been a happy time in the house. But the landlord, obviously, with changing times and with COVID, has decided um, he's not sure if he wants to sell or what he wants to do. So um, in kind of December last year, they gave us till February next year to, obviously, with us being here so long, they'd have to give us at least eight months. How long? But, But why do you have to go at all? Um, I he's looking. He thinks he wants to sell, and um, he's older kids himself. So I'm not sure if that's what he wants All to right. do. Do you know? Yeah. And he's been very accommodating, so we can't. Do you know? Um, so like quite, what I am hearing January. a lot of, what I am hearing a lot of, and I find it quite disturbing, is people who are selling the houses while the tenants are still in situ, and have for sale signs outside, and actually tell the tenants who are paying rent at the time, bizarrely that you must leave the house on certain times of the day, on certain days of the week? No, no, lucky it isn't, but nothing like, like that. No, I'm not saying your that. landlord is doing that. No, no, but it does happen. I've, I've known it has happened, yeah. But is that even legal, that kind of nonsense? I don't know. I suppose you wouldn't have to. They can't make you. They can only ask you, I suppose, really. Um, I hope somebody listening will, will pick up on this and, and let me know. Text 0868104106. I would have thought that you can't sell the house until the tenant's lease has ended and they have calmly and in their own time professionally vacated the property. Yeah, I think it depends on how many years the person's in the house to how much time you have to give them, how much notice you have to give them to to leave. Yeah, but giving um, them notice does not allow people traipsing through their home. No. No, no, and it is their home, and you do make it your home, especially if you've been there the, like the length of time we have been there. Do you know it is your home every ounce that you've raised your children there? They've had their first steps. They might have. Do you know there's all those things happen in a rental house the same as it does in a in your own house? Do you know yeah. you own it? Yeah. So all those memories are still there. Of course they are. Do you know. Yeah. Um, but you'd have yeah, the same memories as somebody who bought their other. first. Yeah, you'd have the same memories for somebody in the, in your home as somebody who bought yeah. their first home and moved to a second home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, like we've been looking now since January for rental, another rental in Cove. And obviously, I, I have a young fella still doing, like he's doing his leave insert this year. So obviously, leaving Cove really wouldn't really be an option. And I have a six year old who is in primary school going into first class. So it'd be very hard to pull them out of school, you know, to leave Cove just for a rental property when we are hoping to buy. We were hoping to buy last year, but obviously, Cove would delay things. So it'll probably be next year now. And what's your um, budget? 
Um, for rental is probably about twelve hundred because we're only paying about a thousand now because we were on an older contract, so he couldn't. You couldn't you know, put up more than four percent, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, I thought twelve hundred, really twelve fifty. And, and are you in touch with? Uh, are you in touch with Joanna Murphy? Are you in touch yeah, with Liz yeah, English? Yeah, and Liz Hannon at English? Yeah. Yeah, I am, and I'm on their things, but like obviously at the moment they can't really pop in, so I'm ringing them kind of on and off to see what's going. I'm checking online. I've applied for a few places. The same as um, you know now, I've gotten the responses back. You know, oh, fill this out, and that's the end of it. You know, like even yesterday now, I applied. There's another house of Cove going at the moment. It's actually thirteen something, um, thirteen thirty. So it's actually a bit over, but. We'd make it. We'll have to come out of our savings for our mortgage. We'd, we'd have to figure it out another way. Well, we have to find somewhere just, to live. We have to find somewhere to live. Like I have three kids. Um, we need to, you know, like we are hoping to buy. We are trying to save our little bums off. We're trying our best to do everything, but obviously life happens as well. So saving is not always a, an option. People, are, oh yeah, save. It's great. And you're like, yeah, I'm saving what we can. We're still a family of, three, of five that needs to be fed and watered and clothed and. You know, our bills have to be paid. Um, so, like, we are doing what we can. So we really just need somewhere for a year or two so that we can get ourselves together to get the deposit And do you see the it. ones that you've applied for and answer the question is for, do you see them then being subsequently rented, you do? Yeah, well, they just come down. Do you know, um, they're just gone off the sites or... Do you know, like obviously there's still a few, like this apartments in Cove, one bed and two bed apartments from us a thousand euros a month. Do you know, um, like there's this, um, there's a another house in Cove of sixteen hundred, I think. Do you know? Yeah, there was a, I had an email during the week from somebody who had saw a house up, can't remember the suburb, but it was put up for twelve fifty, taken down a week later and put back up for seventeen fifty. Yeah, I think they they realise that they can get a lot more money for them. Do you know that people? There's so many of us looking for property and I've been said to me it's going to be who you know not do you know how good your references are your work references are do you know there's so at this stage you have to have a personal relationship with the with the owner or the yeah the letting agent you know yeah there's someone close to the person that's renting or can say oh I can vouch for that person there do you know you're going to need someone to know someone or something. There's going to have to be because we're applying and applying and yeah. How shares um, how shares are wrecking the rental market because of the working from home thing? Yeah, a lot of people yeah. have left their jobs and many of them would have been up the country, so they're coming down. They're taking up a lot of the houses because they can afford the big rents that you can't afford because they're splitting it four ways. Would you agree? Like I was saying to Joan, what I'm seeing is a huge amount of apartments available, not houses. No, there's loads of apartments, loads of apartments in Cove as well. There's loads of apartments. You'll always get an apartment to cope. Um, but like obviously a family of five and we do have a little dog which probably makes things a little harder for us. Oh, sure, dogs are out. Do you put down yeah. the other dog? Well, I, I wouldn't lie. Do you know? Oh and I mean, God, I'd say the dog. I know. Look, I'd, he's, and God love him, he's a lovely little fella. He doesn't shed. Not disputing that. And not, well, you know, even people who have angry dogs say they have lovely dogs. So landlord, oh, a landlord won't listen to oh, that. Look, I completely, yeah. Um, but yeah, look, I don't know, and he is part of our family. Do you know, it has been suggested, would you not get rid of him? And do you know, if you find would you not? Well, look, we'll try not to. But you know, I know I have friends that can hold on to him for if if needed, or do you know, 
Obviously, I won't put my family out in the street over the dog. Um, but obviously, I know the dog is family. I, I listen. He is, he is his family, and he's a little dose. Um, he's a jackapoo, a little Jack Russell cross with a poodle. He's fabulous. But sure, if Orlando has di- loads, you see, Orlando can have diff- loads of different people. Uh, and they're going to well, go for the ones without... They they'll can, probably they go for the ones course. without children, never mind the ones without oh, dogs. that's it. They, they want professional couples. And when it's, like, there's houses there that are four beds, and do you know, you're just kind of going, yeah, should that be perfect for us? Do you know, like, obviously I have a 17-year-old and an almost 21-year-old that aren't going to be moving out of home probably for the next 10 years, the way everything is going. So, like, do you know, they're sharing a room. Um... Now the little six-year-old's getting away at murder because she's a girl. She's in her own room. I know. Um, I know. I just can't help thinking. You see, no. it's like it's like it's like me applying for a job that I'm not qualified for and not getting and it. Hundreds, yeah. And then yeah, I'm raging why I'm not getting it. And it's you applying for a house with a dog and not getting it, and raging because you're not getting it. That's oh yeah. Look, and, yes. I, look, and I don't even know if the dog is. I don't even know if you're even scratching the top because we have three kids, and you know it's. That's a lot for people for a three-bed house to think, where are they putting three kids in that house? Do you know what those, what are the kids going to be doing in that house? And you know that there's there's planning banning now on people trying to build houses in rural uh, rural Ireland. You yeah, can't even we, like, yeah, we've been looking even at the new builds coming up and stuff, and there's, no, there's nothing available. And even land is so expensive now. Do you know, even with the two of us working, um, like we'll still only be looking about a 200,000 mortgage. Do you know... I know. Um, I know. Obviously, with our ages, because we're we're in the forties now. So, yeah. and what would you get for that? Not much, really, in Cove. Um, but we'd hope we'd be hoping to stay in Cove when we buy. But I'd say, but like for rental, definitely we need we need to be in Cove for the kids for their skills. I tell you, this work, um, this you do. You want you don't want to stray too far from where you love. Uh, this rent, no. this working from home business is going to wreck everything. Yeah. Um, it's More hard and it's hard because people look and I know there's probably hundreds of other families out there trying to get houses and I know there's families in hotels and but we're just above the limit for the council so we can't do you know like we're down to like if I quit my work but my husband's wages and everything else fine we might be on the council list but sure how long are we going to be on a council list do you know to get um, something you have to do nothing you know, as in, yeah. you know, and like we can't to feed our family. We both have to work. You know, to pay our bills, we both have to work. I know. So, I know. Um, it's just, it's just a kind of an impossible situation. We've been trying, like, and looking, um, like applying now again last night, knowing that probably there'd be no nothing come back. I don't know. You have to have a think about the dog. I'd be shot now for saying that because dogs are members yeah. of the family. I understand that. I love my own dog as well. But I, um, oh look, and look, I have family members that will take him if necessary, for the year or so. Why don't you just try leaving out dog on a couple of... and see what happens. Um, yeah, I suppose. Um, just bend the rule a little bit and if you get a viewing then, make the call then at that stage. Yeah. You know, it, might just, um, it, might, it might work. Listen, um, you never know who's listening and if I do hear anything, I guarantee you, you're in the Cove area and if anything comes across... Anybody calls, I'll be straight back to you. And that has happened in the past, all right? Oh, that'd be great. Thanks a million. All right, Laura, cheers. Thanks Take care. Anybody got guys. any thoughts on dogs? Uh, not as to whether they're lovely pets or whatever, but as to whether they actually do uh, detract from your um, chances and your ability to find somewhere to live. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Okay, and you can text 0868104106. Uh, just very quickly, um, you know, those that have not and those that have. 
those that can buy and those that need to rent privately, those that can have a council or a house or not. Uh, it's an interesting email coming from somebody who's totally frustrated. I think this will also frustrate anybody who is themselves looking for a home for themselves and their family. I live in a housing estate uh, in which my house is semi-detached. Uh, the man living next door uh, and is in a three-bedroom council house is an alcoholic and a drug user. He's living in a three-bedroom council house. He had kids and he had a wife and they aren't in the picture anymore. Uh, no visits from the kids or anyone else for that matter. I have contacted Respond many times. They manage the company, of course, manage the, the properties. Uh, I've contacted Respond many times about this, as I think it's an absolute disgrace that a man living on his own is entitled to a three-bedroom house, even though there are so many homeless families out there that can't get homes. And he is just destroying a perfectly good house uh, with pesticides, rubbish, litter, many other things. He spends his days being quiet, but comes to life at night, blaring music, disturbing myself and my family. We can't sleep, and we all get up for work every morning, totally drained from being up all night the night before. We've contacted Respond many times, and we're told, uh, try to get a house elsewhere, or wait until we can get one for you. It's okay to have him live there in a three-bedroom house, wasting it, is it? I believe it's an absolute disgrace. The only way I could get this out there is by contacting you guys, because nobody else is willing to help. I just want to show people how much of a disgrace these people are, allowing one man in a three-bedroom house while there are so many people homeless or looking to rent. An absolute disgrace. He's a waste of time. He's caused so much trouble and the guards have been called over and over again. And this has been going on for well over eight years. How is it okay to tell myself and my family to wait to move house, but he can be just entitled to a perfectly good home that could be used to someone that would actually appreciate it? It's so disheartening to see this kind of carry on and it's just being left go. I walked past many homeless people day to day and that would give anything for a good home. Yet a waster like this gets to destroy a perfectly good one. Disgraceful. Don't give out my details. I'm not giving out your details. And indeed, you haven't shared where this is. I don't know whether you're uh, in, in a city, suburban or county town or in a rural area. But it is. It's, and it must be very heartbreaking for me reading this email out to somebody who is looking to rent for themselves. And I suppose... No case is more important than another. Don't get me wrong. Everybody deserves a home for sure. But the ones that I feel sorry for time after time after time are are families, particularly young families. I mean, the worry and the anxiety and the stress must be horrific. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. And in an opportunity to take you and the family off to uh, something nice, we've got Photo Wildlife Park uh, family passes to give away. Ireland's wildest attraction. As I was saying, you can take your monkeys to go and see their monkeys and lots more besides. So their daily passes be given away again today uh, at around about uh, 10 minutes to midday. Family passes, two adults, two children, or one adult and three children. Um, and then the children combine the adult. There you go, another dopey dad joke. I have to stop doing that. Uh, so yesterday's piece of audio um, you had to identify um, was a little birdie. Well, far from little. It sounded as if it was being strangled. <laughs> ah, that hurts. 
That's a macaw parrot, so it is. The large, strong, curved beak and the powerful, agile toes that grasp like human hands. Loud, screeching, squawking. Do not give one as a gift. So we had a winner on that yesterday, Mary Crowley from St. Teresa's Place in Canturk. Massive fan of the show. Delighted and the family all off to Photo Wildlife Park. So today, here is our uh, mystery aminal. A mystery aminal. Don't call just yet. I'll open the phone lines later. Oh, that's lovely now. Thanks be to God. That's nice and peaceful and serene. I'll take two, thanks. Is it a budgery gal? Is it a canary? Who knows? Played a few times between now and midday. Away we go. Got some bad news yesterday. One of the one of the ferry boat uh, owners got in touch with me from Port McGee, and then Paul Byrne confirmed it by sending me a copy of what the OPW had to say on the matter, and that is that they have uh, um, decided to uh, postpone the landing on landings on Skellig Michael. Now they were due to allow visitors to land on the island from the twenty first of June. But they've now pushed that back again, unfortunately, to July 1st. And everybody's very disappointed. They said it had to do with uh, poor weather conditions and sea conditions. And it slowed down whatever work they had to do on the island, the safety work. Um, and they couldn't get it done on time. There's nothing you can do about that. Uh, and I suppose it affects an awful lot of businesses in the sense that there will be many, many cancellations. So pushed back about 10, 12 days. That's sad. But, uh, you know... These are the times we live in, as the fellow says. Lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. The last time that I spoke to the wonderful Sheila O'Mahony was on her eighty fifth birthday. It was back on the third day of February, and she was missing the Golden Girls. Now the great news is the Golden Girls got to meet up. I hope it was yesterday. I think it was yesterday because I've seen the photograph, and they had their weekly catch up at High Cafe at Wilton Shopping Centre. And she joins me by phone just for a quick chat. Sheila, good morning. Good morning, me. It's so lovely chatting with you again. When did the Golden Girls meet up? We met after... We kept in contact all the time. We met yesterday <laughs> out in Highburger and Nags looked after us. And when was the last time that you... And Sheila, you, Una, Grace and Phil actually were together. It was last February, only two phones. No, but actually sitting around the table in High Cafe. It's well over a year, more. Oh, well over a year. We were crying coming away. <laughs> but and we had, we were, we were talking now about... So we missed one another. That all we done was had a chat. Who died? For <laughs> God's <had> sake! Babies. <laughs> <laughs> who died? Oh, that's sad. Who had babies? <laughs> who 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 got divorced? <laughs> who got divorced? <laughs> Who's doing a line? Who's doing a line? <laughs> but Neil, I want to ask you now, Tim. Tim. Would you, my grandson bought the corner house. Right. The corner flag in Curry Road. That's my grandson opened that. So I want you to wish What is it? What is it? Is it a shop? Is it a pub? pub? The pub. On the Curry Road. Where exactly? Yeah. Um, what is it? 
I was running down there twice now because I'm too old to go into the pubs. You can't go. Um, you can't go into them anyway. You can only sit outside them. No, that's all. Where is it's it near? The corner. It was the little man's longo. Right, and is he is he opened yet, or is he getting ready? He's opened it? now, now, and he's doing very well. Stephen Heafy. Is that ty- is that around Turner's Cross? Yeah, you can go in now and look at the matches and all. Yeah, upstairs, all done. Is it right next to the soccer stadium? Yeah. Oh, I've, he's done a fine job doing that up. I've passed he it. Did. Well, I'm very proud of him. He's, he's done it. Because that needed a bit of work, and he's put a lot of work he into did. it. And he has it done up beautifully. And is that and your grandson? That's my grandson. And is he very excited? Is he going to do a bit of food in there? Is he? What's his plan? Oh, yeah. I'd yeah. be darned. Well, fair play to him. Okay. And what's it called now? The Corner House? The Corner Flag. The Corner Flag. Of course it would be called the Corner Flag. It's right next to the soccer yeah. stadium. He was booked out now for the past three nights. I'm delighted for him. What's his name? Stephen, is it? Stephen. Well, fair play Stephen to him. Stephen Heafy. Fair play to Stephen Heafy. The Corner Flag and the Corner Road. Turn us across. Check it out, lads. Um, you, were, you were in Highburger, but I'm looking at the photograph... Uh, I don't oh. see I don't see a burger on the table. Do you not eat burgers? We had them all gone to buns. They took the photo. You had moved on to the buns. Yeah. <laughs> and the cups of tea. <laughs> but and the cakes. And the cakes. But and the <laughs> chips. Anne wasn't there yesterday, was she? No, we phoned her and she said it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> but we made sure that we were there. You see, she had a grandson walking inside the counter and I told him to ring Nan and tell her that we're out here. I love it. I love it. Well, you know, I, I think that Highburger is always going to be the place where you're always going to meet. Oh, but next Tuesday. Again. Every Tuesday. But maybe you should make it twice weekly. Tuesday in Highburger and maybe Fridays in the corner flag for a glass of vino or something. <laughs> we get drunk come nobody there. I'll put a few bob before the, before behind the bar for you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you didn't run out of things to say yesterday, no? What? You didn't run out of things to chat about, I'd say. Not at all. We met another four couple and they were saying, oh, it's lovely to see you, you know, because we know what you went through. We nearly went mad because we weren't out. I know. And all we wanted was an old chat. And isn't it lovely that all, f- oh, all of you are healthy beautiful. and well? And we're all alive. I said, we've done it. <laughs> Say that again. We've done it. You certainly have done it, girl. My golden girl. I said it even to Jeff Devine. Or in Dublin, I said, Hi, Jeff, we're back again. (laughs) Oh, it's lovely to see you. Because we always sat near his salon. I'd say you have had the hair done a few times though since. You look oh, a, yeah. you look a million dollars. I love that red Thank sleeve. God. I love the blue sleeveless on you. Blue's your colour, you know. I heard that now blue is my colour. And <laughs> 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 like the lady in blue. And every and then while we couldn't go out, as you know, only down to the centre and back again. And I sat by my window. And everybody that passed up Dunkers over I live, I got to wave. I was like the queen. You were like the queen. I was waving to everyone. You were. 
Yeah, you should you should be up in the Phoenix Park. You know that's where you should be. But they gave you a great birthday out in the front, didn't they? That was a beautiful birthday in the front. It was. We had a lovely birthday. But you need. And then. Go on. And then they my my daughter Siobhan, and she'll be fifty on Friday. Yeah. Would you say happy birthday? Happy birthday on Friday. Well, get somebody to remind me because my head, unlike yours, my head is like like a sieve. I'm not like you. You're as sharp as a pen. Are you guys now going to be planning a a world cruise or a Caribbean cruise or something? Well, we'll see now. We have to go with the age now. (laughs) But but are you fully vaccinated now, Sheila? Oh, yeah. The works. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, fantastic. I'm vaccinated twice. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. Yeah. So you it can... is, and I feel good. I didn't feel dizzy. Uh, yeah, trying dizzy without the vaccination. <laughs> so what's ne- <laughs> what's next? Would you like to head to I don't know the beach, West Cork, Kerry, a bit of a break? Oh, or... I think Garrettstone is lovely. And have you planned to go? No, no. It's a long we'll summer. Have to discuss that now for a while. You'll have to have a you'll have to have a parlay we... with the girls. And we love Killarney. We love even two nights in Killarney. We love it. That'd be a lovely break. That'd be great. No, would. Wouldn't it be lovely to make that happen for you guys? Wouldn't it? No, we'd love it, the five of us. Yeah. Well, well, would you all share the same room? Well, three in one room and two in the other room. I, I don't know. I might have a go at sorting that out for you. You know, I'd love to have that oh, as a. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Love it. I think it would be nice. You know, I, I have oh, a bit. Oh, I have yeah. a bit of clout in Killarney. Let's see what we can do. And they know us because we've done it there about three or four years. You ago. promise now yeah. not to wreck the bedrooms if I send you down there. Oh no! We when we're finished, we go into the green room <laughs> and we'd have a sing song. <laughs> what would you say? What would you sing with a few chardonnays in you? Smile and the whole world smiles with you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's some fabulous words of advice. We don't smile or laugh half enough, and that's a fact. You smile, they all smile. But you cry and you You cry cry alone. alone. Oh my God, I heard it. It's very true. It's very true. Listen, I'm so delighted that you all got together and it's going to be a weekly occurrence. And it's lovely to catch up with you. If you can do that for us now, we'd be delighted. I don't see see why not. I don't see why I shouldn't try at least and come back to you and let you know whether I'm successful or not. But I give it my best stab anyway, all right? Okay. Okay. And I'm listening to you every morning. I love you. I do. and, And we all love you and it's great. I love... The fact that you're all back together again. It really oh, is a mark of progress it. for me, you know. Yeah. That, we're, that things are lovely. getting better. Yeah. Mind yourself, we Sheila. Mind Thanks yourself, girl. Me. God Thanks bless. very much. Take care. Um, can I just say, I got a lovely song, actually. It is really, it's one of his final works, I think. Hank Riddell has released a new song. It's called The Time We Share. I was listening to it earlier on this morning. It's a very fit, fitting song to play after the conversation with Sheila. To me, listening to the lyrics... It is about coming back together again. It is about um, you know, you know, reuniting um, friendships and you know, sociability and and things like that. But you know, that's just my interpretation of it. I believe it's the it's the correct one. But it's a gorgeous song, uh, and the and the instrumentation and the production of it is gorgeous. I want to say, well done, Frank. Uh, well done, Hank Widell. Well, it's great to see you. Cause we heard you were dead. You came back to life. You got out of your bed. It's great to 
just incredible and that's the new single from Hank Weedell actually it was produced by Declan Sinnott if you're here before me I would bow down before him that man Declan Sinnott that's why the production is so incredible and the backing vocals are by Mary Green and Ellie Shine and you're hearing that beautiful saxophone work throughout it there that's Hank's long term Dutch musical partner Ander van der Hoff song called The Time We Share and the single is due to drop as they say these days next Monday and he sang with the High Hopes Choir in Fitzgerald's Park over the weekend that must have been incredible must have been awesome and the choir had taken it on as their anthem now the High Hopes Choir which is associated of course with Penny Dinners um, and it was their first time singing together High Hopes for months due to the Covid restrictions it was a very emotional reunion as the group lost two people to suicide in their times apart um, and that's very very sad to hear but that song is so fitting for where we're at and where we're going so well done Hank my man well done The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM A short of staff Give me short of staff. My 17-year-old nephew's struggling to find a summer job. He's been told by the businesses that they don't hire people under 18. 
give me a break. Uh, I've been working all the way through the pandemic, but if you were a college student working one to two nights a week and getting 100 to 120 euro, and you're now on 350, why would you go back to work in hospitality for less money? Come on. Also, there are lots of people now who have 350 and can do a day or two work off the books. Gardening, construction, painting. I worked in construction for years, putting myself through college, and I've been asked by over 30 people, any chance you could put down a laminate floor, change the doors, build a deck, paint the house, or put up fencing. So many people at home now, so many people at home now want jobs done and can't get people to do it. Why go back to work to get shocking pay when you can get pop and an extra 300 to 500 cash for a few days' work? It's summer. So there's plenty of work around. Also, when you go back to work, you have to pay back the pop money. So people working for the 300 a week now will end up with about 200, maybe 150 after tax and payback. So it's a no brainer not to go back. You'll have less money and actually do, what, 35 or 40, 40 hours work? I know, I understand the temptations of it, I really do. And that's a texter who is obviously handy. Goes to show that if you have a trade, you'll never starve, doesn't it? Uh, there's so much demand now for people. We saw that, of course, with the dodgy fencing and patio laying. And I'll have more updates on that for you as well later this morning. But it's heartbreaking for people who get up in the morning, go out and pay tax. And we have an, a very, very, very high tax rate in this country. We really do uh, by comparison to other countries. So people who are pay- paying tax and working hard and they hear of that kind of carry on, taking the 350, doing an extra couple of days, gardening, construction, painting, building decks, painting houses, changing doors and making 500 cash. It's just sad to hear it. I mean, I know the temptation is there, but it's still heartbreaking. But what can you do? There's many texts like that. I'll come back to them for the course of the morning. Text 0868104106. Natalie, good morning. Hi, how are you, Neil? So, Natalia, my apologies, Natalia. <laughs> um, I, I've already spoken to Joan uh, and also Laura. Nightmares trying to find rental properties that suit growing families. Um, tell me about your own scenario. Well, we've been living in this property uh, for 10 years now, right? And our landlord gave us a notice of termination around Christmas last year. And since then, I have relentlessly tried to look for a property, you know, get a home uh, through a council and through private websites like uh, Daft and Property Diary and so on. And it is absolutely impossible. We, I have a son who has special needs and goes to school in the area. And uh, I think that if we relocate and we cannot find a home, I'm going to have to go back to my own country where there's barely any services for him and my two kids will have to learn a new language. So it's extremely, it's an extremely hard situation for us. Is it just you and the two kids it is? That's right. And you're saying that the services wouldn't be as good back? Where's, where's back home? It's South America. And the services medically and professionally wouldn't be as good, no? No, not for his condition, no. Is he on the spectrum? Yes, on the spectrum. That's right. It must be very worrying for you. It is extremely worrying. You know, nobody, no family. I know, like, um, the father of my children, he's Irish, but uh, our divorce is coming through. All right, well, we won't go there out of personal issues, and I understand that. Uh, But but you you do know what I'm saying, is that, like, there will be a cost to you after if that's the scenario that we're facing, you know? Okay, well, I won't get into that if you don't mind. I'll just stick to no the property problem. aspect and, you know, want, not wanting to have to go back home because the best services available for your children are in this country and, and you're entitled to do that. And have you been looking for, have you been, have, I mean, for instance, are you not on a council list as, as a single parent? I am. I'm on the council list six years. And, uh, you know, when I initially rang the council, they said that's not enough. That's not long enough. How long do they wish you to be... Um, on their list? 
from what I've heard, it's around 10 years. Mother of God. So you have to do your own thing for 10 years and then they give Mm -hmm. you council house when the children are half pretty much reared. Pretty much, yes. So it is, you know, my son is 11, he's my eldest. So So you'd you'd probably get it when he's due to move out? Nearly 15, 16, yeah. And when you apply for properties, I'm assuming you do? Every day, nearly, you know, if there's anything on daft, anything on property, I will apply to it. Yeah. And are you are you specific about what your needs are? Is it a is it a three bedroom semi? Is, what, what is it? Well, I am looking for a three bedroom property as we are three of us, you know, and my kids are a certain age. But uh, the only thing I really wanted, and I said it to a council as well, was to keep around the area if possible, you know, because of the fact of his services and his school. It's all near to him. My son. Yeah, your your kids were born here, weren't they? They were Irish kids. They yeah. Have, yeah, they have all their lives made here, family and oh, Absolutely. Because I'll start getting texts as to, you know, you know, the, you know the way the texts are, go home or why don't you go home or your family's at home and things like that. This is home. This is home to them. Absolutely. It is. We made our lives here. Of course you did. They were born here. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. And, you know, would you have HAP available then? HAP, yes. Uh, when you, you see Neil, when you, apply, when you apply to a property, you know, you like the HAP office has said this to me that you shouldn't really say it till the very end that you have the HAP. Yeah, it's probably on a form though, Natalia, is it? It is, yeah. They give you a form, but when you apply initially to a property, you won't be saying, I'm going to be doing this through HAP. Okay. That's what's been recommended to me, yeah. And have they told you why it's best not to say it? <laughs> Until as late as to leave it until the end because if they reject the hop, you know it's 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 not fair. But uh, if basically like they kind of led me to believe that like it's just to kind of not give the landlord uh, a chance to say no. Basically, that's what it is. Yeah, because okay, that's very interesting. Just on a different topic earlier on this morning, if council are telling people don't let on you have hap. And I was suggesting to others earlier that a dog seems to be a big problem also. And perhaps yep. they should let on that they don't have a pet. You know, it's just interesting because there are no-nos and clearly a pet is. And Hap seems to be a no-no as well. Children seem to be another one. Oh, for God's sake, you're right. I forgot that. Children too. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's it's getting more and more complicated to actually find a suitable property for not just myself, but I I think many, many other people, you know, they really seek out professionals and they want to rent rooms individually. They do. And they know that I've said this a million times. I don't want to bore people with it. But if you can get four professionals or four working people, four young fellas, four working girls or whatever, they have much more possibility to split big rent between the four of them than, you know, a family would. It's driving that's the. Right. That's why prices have gone up. You have four people all paying for their own room, sharing the house. Look, I understand why the HAP is difficult to many landlords. I know they have to pay a bit more tax when it comes to HAP. But I'm sure there's ways to, wake, to work around that as well. I don't know how many of them are paying tax. I mean, I can't talk for tax, but I certainly know that there was a report done recently up around uh, the college and all of the the different areas around the college where there's huge amounts of uh, rental and they found the vast majority of landlords um, or property owners weren't registered with uh, the PRTB. Yeah, that's, Why that's wouldn't they register with the PRTB? Because, uh, well, I, I couldn't speak like in my case. You, you, know, have, my to, landlord you have to register to, with them. 
Yes, yeah. yes, you do. You know, so does that not indicate if there's no PRTB, then there's a possibility that some of them are not even paying tax? That's correct, yeah. And then they still have to abide by, you know, like how much they can put the property up every year as well. I know. And and tell me, are are you are you stressed out and anxious? Is it is it affecting you? I've been going through counselling. Like it's, it, you know what, Neil? I feel like I'm failing as a mother. That's that's what it is, and I have to live with that every day. You know, because my children don't really know the situation at the moment because we're meant to leave in November. But as time goes by, my stress levels are through the roof. Through the roof. I've I've been talking to counsellors. I've been having anxiety medications, you know. It's, You're on it's medication bad. for anxiety? Yeah. Out of this, you know, because at the start when I got the news, it was it was hard. I tried to manage, but as time goes by, it's not, I'm not managing very well. Unfortunately. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. Uh, and look, I don't want to say nothing to my children yet because there's nothing... You know, written in stone as it is, but uh, but I'm hoping that at some point, you know, our luck will turn. But are you getting are you getting any responses in the sense that you apply? Uh, some of them respond. Some of them tell you that you know, you know that there's the house is already been taken, but it's all negative responses. If I get any responses at all, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, it's not. I mean, there there seems to be a lot more apartments than there seems to be homes and houses. Apartment, it wouldn't be suitable. Where do you Where do you live? In Douglas. Uh, you're in a lovely area, then. We are. In a, we're very lucky. We when we initially moved to Cork, as we were living in the Midlands before, uh, we we found a lovely home in Douglas. We didn't know anything about Cork. We we ended up loving it, then you know, and we had the house, the same house ever since. Are the kids in school there as well? Yeah, the, the kids go to school in Douglas. Yeah. So we live in an age then of of migrating school children from school to school, from parish to parish. Look, I, I understand that. No, I don't understand it because it used to be this way when I was a kid. You went to the same school all through primary. You went to the same secondary school. You never moved anywhere. And you're able to build friendships, you know, and have solid people around you and have a routine. And that's exactly what I want to provide for my son and my daughter, especially my son who needs it the most. And and if you were to go back to South America, what would that prospect be like for you? Well, at the moment, my my country of birth, you know, is going through uh, some issues with the government. You know, where, and, where uh, is that? Are you okay telling me? Yeah, of course, it's Peru. Peru. Are yeah. things tough in Peru? Sorry. Are things tough in Peru? At the moment, they are. They have changed, uh, you know, president. And with that, there's a lot of worry within the population. And yes, my whole family is there. But it's not easy for anybody at the moment. It's, uh, I'll have to start working there. The, I'll barely see my kids as it is. And they'll be left, you know, with my mom or my dad to be minded. And they don't even know the language. It's extremely hard. Of course it is. It's not a, it's not, no. it's not a solution. It just isn't. It isn't, but, you know, uh, the options that are left are many, to be fair, and I know they say they can provide you with uh, temporary accommodation, which means, you know, it's either a hostel or a hotel room. Hotel room, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I have talked to the father of my children about it, and there's been some issues raised, if that's going to be the way 
the children are going to live, basically. Yeah, and no. it's completely understandable. No, I know. You never it want is. to put them there. Of course you don't. Of course you don't. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. I feel helpless when I have stories like yours a lot of the time. I just... I, I, I don't know which way to turn with them. I hear these awful scenarios that people are facing and I'm a lot of the time, sometimes we can help, you know, and, 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 you know, you talk about Peru. Peru was really badly hit by COVID. You had millions yeah. of cases there and the death roll was doubling there at one stage, the highest number of deaths in the world in relation to the size That's of your population and everything. That's right. The whole health system has, has collapsed in there at, at a point even. No. And uh, many, yeah. many, many lives were lost over there. Yeah. So it's, you know, that's, that's the whole thing that like, even if we go there in November, the situation with COVID in South America is completely different to the situation in Europe. I would hate to, I would hate to hear that you've gone home, really. This is home. It's your kids' home. It's, this is, this is where you belong. It is. It is indeed. We have made our lives here. Absolutely. And I couldn't possibly think, you know, that like if that's the way we're going to end, you know, our our story in Ireland, basically. I've been living here myself 12 years and and it is home to me as well, you know. I, I find it difficult. I find it difficult saying goodbye to people like you on the air, you know. I, I, I just f- find it very hard to say okay, and, and I move on to the next call or the next ad break. But that that's what happens, you know. Um, if again, if, if I if I hear of something, I certainly will be back to you. I I, I hope that. I really appreciate it. But I, I I you know, does sharing does sharing help at all? It does. It does indeed. You know, you never know, as you say yourself, you never know who's listening. Somebody may know of something. I know. I know. I keep hopeful anyway. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll keep you in your in our thoughts as well, and I know uh, Emer is, is has been chatting with you off air. So, um, someone is saying Douglas has a fourteen uh, year waiting list um, to even get anything in the way of uh, a council house or a property in that area. But you you're not necessarily just you're looking for anywhere really, aren't you? I'm looking for a house exactly. Yeah, you're looking for a home anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Okay, Natalia, um, I'm going to talk to Councillor Ken O'Flynn in a few minutes' time, and he's all over the housing issues in Cork at the moment, so I'll get his thoughts on it, and he may have something to, um, may some, some advice to give, okay? Thank you very much, Neil, for having me. Okay, Natalia, take care for now. Bye. Bye. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Anne says, it's absolutely, categorically untrue that you need to be on any housing list for 10 years. I live in a new estate and the council within the new estate have given houses to girls in their 20s with two and three small kids all under the age of seven. So how did they get the houses then? says Anne. Uh, many, many questions and a lot of them um, unanswerable because if they were answerable they'd have been answered years ago because this is just getting gradually worse and worse and worse. Independent Councillor Ken O'Flynn joins me by phone. Kenneth, good morning. Well, good morning, Neil. How, 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 how and, and we can take our time on this as long as it takes. How did things get this bad? Stories uh, like, say for instance, the girls that I've been talking to this morning. Yeah. I, I suppose, Neil, this has been kind of building up since the slowdown of building... Um, since 2008, you know, in the, in the collapse of the economy and the continuous playing of catch-up that we seem to be doing. 
Um, also, as you know, there's no big policies anymore from any council or local authorities throughout the country. Not a great phone line there, Kenneth. Can you move around a little bit? Yeah, sorry, Neil, I moved. I'm in the kitchen, but I'll, I'll move to the, to the window there. Um, uh, we're talking 2008, the collapse in the economy, uh, which stopped an awful lot of building and purchasing of council properties and, com- and building of properties in general. You're looking at uh, the lack of government policy when it comes to building houses as local authorities building houses like they used to. Like, I'm talking about the likes of Grawn and Farron in the in the 30s, 40s, 50s and 60s when we used to build big, vast estates. That doesn't really happen anymore. Uh, so I need a local authority. Uh, I, I think the other side of it as well is that we have had... Um, economic success in the city in the city in particular we had a new wave of people coming into the city enjoying the city living in the city um, and we haven't had accommodation for, for them they all have to have somewhere to go we're talking about the 5,000 people that work in Apple for example and all the other tech jobs that are out there through the city which is fantastic and it's great we now have 96 languages being spoken in the city every day yeah uh, that's a very valid point actually that, that, become, that adds that's to the pinch point that's very true it, it, it but adds, I, it, the problem is is that the guy that's now uh, uh, the tech guy that's working in Apple or one of those companies is able to pay 8, 900, 1300, 1400 euros rent on a property um, and he's out after out pricing uh, everybody else that was on the HAP scheme that was you know, in areas where houses maybe 10 years ago were only fetching five to 600 euros per house. But Natalia was telling me the council are now saying, don't tell them anything about HAP. Is that the reason? Look, I'll be honest with you, Neil. In the last 12 months, like, you know, you talk about housing and city councillors. In the last 12 months, they've been getting lots of calls from constituents, from their mothers, their fathers, um, from people all over, the, all over Cork saying, Ken, do you know any auctioneer? Do you know anybody that's renting out a house? Or do you have any friends that have a house that they're renting out? My daughter's in need of a house. They've been given notice to quit, etc. It, look, it's, a, it's the seller's market at the moment, or the landlord's market at the moment. There is a lack of uh, good three-bedroomed, two-bedroomed um, houses, rather than, as you said, there's a glut of apartments out there at the moment. And the but proposal is to build even more apartments then? Well, there's a need for upmarket apartments as well in the city, um, but there's certainly a definite need for the. But we're not. But, but we're not. Semi-detached houses. But this conversation is not about upmarket people who can afford it and go for Dharma fillers and three holidays a year and drive two cars. That's not what this. This is about just basic housing needs for young people and just somewhere that they can call home. You know? Yeah, it, it, it's deeply frustrating, Neil, to, to say the least. As I told you last week, we're now down to 4,000 people on the, or 4,300 4, people on the housing list with Cork City Council. But is it a 10-year wait? Uh, it can be longer. It can be longer. I have people on my books who are waiting 12 years. You also have a, a new situation um, and the modern family situation, okay? Because, you know, 20, 30 years ago, there was no divorce in the country. There was no people. People weren't separating as much as they, they do now. So you now have a situation where you have family units that are divided in two. You have fathers uh, separated from their children with equal um, visitation rights and equal access rights that now need a home. They need, so the dad needs a three bedroom for equal visitation. Ah, oh, yes, yes, of course. So you have that problem as well. So, that, you know, I, I don't think we're continuously playing catch up of how society has moved on. 
Okay, I don't think that government has has woken up to that as well. That society has moved and changed, and people go from one family to two families to three three families. So, times, it, you know, is multi-story and, and living then the future in the sense that we that okay, there'll be damn good apartments, but there'll still be apartments in a high rise. Well, they have to be good quality apartments. We don't want to build anything like we saw what you saw in London in the fifties and sixties um, and the disasters that they were. Um, look. I'm not a great fan of how we build apartments in Ireland. And uh, I've always referred to them as the two-bedroom storage unit with a clip-on balcony. And that's what we need to build in Ireland because that's what's affordable. There's no storage. We have to look at what they do in Holland, what they do in France, what they do in Spain, what they do in Germany, you know, where you're building the four-bedroom apartments with plenty of storage space as well. Uh, And that's what we're going to have to look at. But I suppose on the, 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 the... Look... As I said to you before, this is not rocket science how to fix the housing crisis in this country. It means a couple of brave steps and it means a couple of millionaires or a couple of billionaires may may become billionaires. It means that you have to free up land and that means an entire rezoning of the country, freeing up vast acres uh, and miles of land to bring down the value of the land so you can build on that land. And would that then, because you're building more then, bring the prices of all housing down? Correct. The cheaper the land is to buy and the more availability of the land. Uh, because we're stuck with zoning laws that you can only, you can only build here, you can only build there. Uh, and you, you said yourself earlier on, I think, in the show um, about uh, one-off buildings. Uh, Can't do it. Forget about it. Unless you're born it. in the yeah, parish, go, go away. I'm, I'm, involved in, I'm involved in a couple of plans there for one-off. And it's very, very difficult trying to get things over the line with the county council or city council even. Um, look, the reality is that we have to listen to the experts. And, you know, Michael O'Flynn from, from Ballincollig, a great builder, he's been saying this for years. And it's true. It, and it's not rocket science. It's one way of making it a lot easier, freeing up land, making it cheaper. There will be winners and there'll be losers. The guys that have been sitting on land for the last 10, 15, 20 years that have been accumulating the value of it, changing planning permissions, getting more densely into it, but sitting on the land and not building or developing it are going to lose out. And you know what? Fair enough. If they lose out, that's their tough look. That's their that's their business and you go into business well that's capitalism you speculate you don't always accumulate you don't always accumulate but so so and and I think that's a very very easy policy how it's not been followed is beyond me (sighs) it's really beyond me like you know Um, because there are very simple solutions to get the economy moving and booming again and bringing the prices of a private house down to a, a private three-bedroom semi-detached, down to about the two hundred and thirty thousand. Ah, mark. but this is That's all bound. This is all bound to go explode again, like it did last time. Surely, we got it. Well, will, this, like. is, this is a, you know we've learned We're sitting on a bomb. History, history is repeating itself, and it's moving far quicker and far more rapid than it did previously. House prices are gone crazy through the roof. I have people that are earning fifty thousand euros plus that can't get mortgages. I, I don't know if you've read. Uh, I think it was on the Sunday papers. Um, this weekend about two teachers who were refused by Bank of Ireland to get a mortgage. Two, now, the most secure jobs that you could ever have in this state, pensionable jobs, refused to, be, uh, to get a mortgage in Dublin because they're, they're of their earnings. Well, I'm aware of the questionnaires that are being asked by banks and the questionnaires that are being asked by uh, estate agents now are the exact same ones as banks. In, in the case of, say, for instance, Natalia, or, or the other girls that I spoke to this morning. Um, she, she's out in November. The council have said to her, uh, terribly sorry, you're only seven years on the waiting list. What will happen to her in November, anecdotally? What, what normally happens? 
she she has a, a number of options she maybe holds before that uh, if you'd like to pass on my, my number to her I'd be delighted to speak to her and try and help her as, as I can because there is medical needs um, there, does, uh, that, that makes a needs. difference doesn't it well, it does. It does. If, you know, we, we try to look, the city council isn't the big bad wolf here. It tries to do the best it can with the resources it has. Um, as I said to you, we are down to 4,500 4, on the housing list. We've Our void houses were at the lowest that we were ever at. Um, we have 120 vacant properties out of a housing stock of 10,000. And we're hoping to move 75 of those over the next year again. Uh, to be brought back into stock. Yeah. So yeah. that would give us the, that we're actually, believe it or believe it not, we're actually the lowest uh, amount of voids in the country. And I know when we drive around the city and we see dereliction and we see empty houses and estates and things like that, and we say, God, why wasn't that given out? Um, you know, we're actually the lowest in the, con- in the country uh, per, per council. Uh, look, so those things are happening. But what would what would ha- what would her options be? No, I will give. I will pass on your details. I promise. I will. She would have to. She she be in a situation where she would have to present herself to Cork City Council as homeless and go into the homeless services. And that would mean and that would mean that, that would mean either a hotel room, a bed and breakfast, or a a hub. And the hub units are the family units, which are a bit like a, a hostel sort of situation, you know. But they're designed for homeless families. You're then taken from the homeless family list and you're uh, assessed and evaluated on your need. Uh, and, you know, we have had success in that. There was an order from Simon Coveney when he was the minister from uh, for local government at the time, which is four or five years ago now, to get everybody out of hostels within six months. That didn't happen yeah. because more and more people are presenting as homeless. Uh, as homeless. And, how long, uh, would and the, what, do, how long would a person then remain within that homeless system? A family. Neil, you know, how long is a piece of string? Depending on the situation, the circumstances, the children, all, all those other circumstances. I can't comment on an individual, but it could be anywhere from, from three months to two years. And after a period of two years? Yeah, we, we have a high success rate at the moment of moving people and getting people into properties and getting people back into the RAS scheme, whether it's through private rentals or, or, or whatever else like that. We're also doing a long-term rental with a number of landlords. So we'll say that Neil Prendival owns a house and he's rented it to Cork City Council for 25 years and we're giving out houses that are on the 25, uh, that are a 25-year lease. So we try to get people back into that scheme as well. So it's constantly so paying catch-up, like, like playing with the numbers, if you like. The numbers are always backing up, but you're trying to move forward, a bit like dominoes. It's two steps forward and one step backward. You know, for everybody that you house, and, you know, like last Sunday I got a lovely email from somebody saying, thank you very much, I've finally been housed and I'm delighted with my new property. Uh, but the, the problem is, is that I have 10 more people saying, any update for, for me, I'm sleeping on my mum and dad's uh, couch, I'm uh, travelling between friends' houses. I was with a, a chap on Saturday who was staying in his uncle's house on Saturday night, was staying in a friend's house on Sunday, and staying in his mum and dad's house on the Monday. Is that just one individual? And, and, tra- and that's one individual. Oh, yeah, but I, and I understand that's tough on that individual, but it's yeah. that's one person paddling their own canoe. But that's that's just not one just person. That's a series of people that I'm meeting on a regular basis. That was just somebody that I met on Saturday talking to him. Um, but that's just, that seems to be the series of stories that I'm hearing. Uh, you know, people that are couch surfing. And there's another thing as well that we're not accommodating for is there's people at the moment in long-term rents at 15, 16 years of age that are still renting, um, are earning money, they're probably earning between the two of them over the 36,000 euro limit to 
to be qualified for a council property. But what's going to happen to them when they hit 66? And nobody's talking about this. What will happen? What's going to happen to the guy? Because when they hit 66 and they're retiring, is that their income is going to go way down. And they won't be able to afford the 13, 14, 1500, 1600, or 1800 euro rent that they're paying at the moment in properties. My God, it's a nightmare. So that, that is coming down the line. Nobody is discussing that. Nobody wants to even see it. Nobody wants to even see what's going to happen. We're going to have a generation of what I would regard as elderly people that are, you know, that are going to be in a situation that they've lost, they've owned properties in the past, they've lost properties, marriages have broken down, they've moved on to new partners, etc. But they don't have the big income to buy a two-bedroom or a three-bedroom house at the moment. Okay, okay. That's okay. the reality, and that's how difficult it is for people at the, at the moment, and that's where, where we are with housing, you know. Okay, I covered enough of the ground on that. There is another aspect that I want to chat with you after 11, if you're okay with that, and that is no the traveller housing issue needs and the two very conflicting reports that I have in front of my desk here. You all right with that? Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks for now, Ken O'Flynn. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7am and wake up your weekend with music, chats and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revan. Red FM. And you can text 0868104106. Very interestingly, Dan says Cork City Council have only collected less than 1% of vacant site levies in Cork and all over the country it's the same. Why? This is cash that could be making, that could be taken and ploughed into other services by levying people who have derelict sites and it's one thing to be talking about thank you Dan, it's one thing to be talking about vacant site levies but there's also levies and fines and all sorts of penalties uh, for derelict properties, particularly in cities and suburban areas and a lot of that goes uncollected or unenforced. It's another interesting one the reason there is no housing available uh, for the Irish or families is that in the last 10 years, over one... Well, is it? Okay, well, I think it's a call, actually, so I won't read the, the text out, but he's making a point that I think Kenneth Flynn was saying it as well. How many... Actually, he joins me by phone. How many languages did you say would be spoken on a daily basis now in Cork? Nin- 96 languages in Cork. Is that right? Yeah, that's what I was told, yeah. All right, you need to move back out to the window there and away from yeah, the kitchen, okay. wherever you are. I'm there now. Okay, I'll come back to that caller. I thought it was the text that's actually called. Okay, so... um. Let me just start with the, the findings of the investigation into the Spring Lane halting site, right? And it was very castigating, extreme overcrowding, fire risk, unsafe electrical work, works, reading from the examiner's report on it here. A rat-infested site. It quadrupled in site with 140 people using toilets and washing facilities designed for 40. Children were also found uh, more prone to illness, skin conditions, respiratory problems than the general, general, genuine, genuine, general, I should say, population. Said that 11 families at the centre of the investigation had received eight offers of accommodation in 13 years. Only two of those were taken up. Now, there is the investigation into the state of the site, the rat infestation and the sharing of um, unserviceable toilet facilities. But the issue that came to my attention with regards to your good self was the offers of accommodation and housing because that didn't tally with Cork City Council's numbers, did it? No, absolutely not. Um, and, you know, based on what was reported from the Ombudsman and again from Paul Burns' report on TV3 and uh, Own English on the Irish Examiner, 
Um, there was a lot of discrepancies and discrepancies that I would be aware of and that I'd spoken about um, over a number of occasions with yourself and, and other broadcasters uh, throughout the years regarding Spring Lane. And, you know, just to recap, Neil, um, 547,000 on the clean-up in the last 10 years. No, I, I'll get to that. I just want to... Okay. I will get to that. I just want to look at the yeah. numbers because they said 11 families received eight offers of accommodation in 13 years. Mm-hmm. That's what this report said. But yet, you put questions said. to City Council on Monday night regarding that. In May 2020, there was 20 offers made. Two were with, uh, three were offers were withdrawn and 15 offers were refused. A total of two offers were accepted from the residents of Spring Lane. So no in May of 2020... There were, I just want to be clear about this so people can... 20 offers made and two were accepted out of the 20 offers that were made. What do you make... Uh, that makes no sense to me, though. They're completely well, conflicting. It makes, it makes a lot of sense to me, Neil. Is that it's, first of all, let's talk about this report that it took two years to write a, a, a two- or three-page document from the Children's Ombudsman. I don't know how it took three years, the space of interviews that he did and, and the amount of time he did. Judging on the amount of complaints that come into the Children's Ombudsman office, I think there should be an investigation into the work that they're doing and the monies that they're drawing down from government as well because I, I don't see that we're getting value for money when it comes to the children's office and being totally honest with you. But Neil, the reality here is that we've continuously made offers to people. Um, Some of them are documented, some of them are not documented. I've been sitting in meetings, I'm I'm on the Traveller Accommodation Committee, I've been sitting in meetings with with people who who claim to represent the travelling community in Cork, um, that get paid to represent the travelling community in Cork via the HSC. Um, I've met with members of different sites and we do not in Cork City Council own the type of properties that people are expecting nor will we be buying those type of properties I, Neil, you don't have an acre of land with enough room for a pony I don't have an acre of land with enough room for a pony and certainly Cork City Council cannot provide cottages standalone properties outside the county or outside the city limit that are on one acre cottage gardens. Okay, so now we're getting to understand it. it the That's offers, so. all of these housing offers were refused, 18 of the 20, only two were taken up, I think, 20 offers, because... because they, were in, they were in council property, they were in, some were in council estates, some, by the way, were in private estates as well, as I understand, and private properties uh, and that had been purchased by the council um, in estates that were, were predominantly private estates ranging from, from an area in Mayfield, Basilan area. So not bad areas. And, you know, when you were talking about waiting lists and you were talking about Douglas, Black, uh, from Dublin Hill into Balavalan, you are talking about a 12-year waiting list at the moment for to get property in that area. The demand is so high because schools are so good. They're, you know, the, you have Leeds Football Club, you have Glenthorne Celtic, you have the Glen Rovers, you have a lot of facilities in Balavalan, a lot of very good facilities, very, very good neighbourhood and decent people living up there, I have to say. Um, and so the demand is very, very high for the Balavalan area. So the offers that were made were genuine offers by Cork City Council um, to alleviate the burdens down there on the site. Yeah. Yet they were handed, yes, they were told they were not good enough, they were not satisfy, satisfactory offers, and so only two were accepted. And people would prefer then, families would prefer to stay in Spring Lane rather than take, say, for instance... Uh, a house in a housing estate? Well, if you read the conditions, and I think you've read some of the conditions uh, just previously there, um, where people are talking about 
um, mobile homes with water running down, rat infested. Now, Cork City Council invested 350000 on new mobile homes in the last three years. So I don't know how a mobile home gets into that sort of disrepair in, sp- in the space of three years that water is running down the side of it or internally on it. Did City Council replace all of the mobile homes accommodation in, in Spring Lane? Uh, yes, um, and they have been updating them on twelve the years. No, it's, it's, um, it's just that the, the Children's Office report found that the council failed to maintain the site, including the upkeep of the toilet and sharing facilities known as welfare there, units, there apparently. Are, there certainly are failures in Cork City Council. I'm not here to defend Anne Doherty or, or anybody from Cork City Council. They're big enough and, and brave enough to defend themselves. But I will call a spade when I see a spade. And the reality here, Neil, and I think I told you before, in 2011, we drew down 250,000 euros from central government to, to invest in pods, shower pods, toilet pods, heated pods. So the complaints that we were getting, saying children didn't have facilities to wash themselves, didn't have enough toilet facilities, um, because the previous toilet facilities had been broken, uh, copper had been stripped out of it. Nobody knows, by the way, who did it, but... It just got uh, stripped out. Yes, but it, yeah. just, it just got yeah. stripped out. Okay. The problem is when we had when we had secured a contract for the site, this contractor went into the site. Um, he was beaten uh, very badly on the site. His van was stripped. The copper was, uh, copper was removed and a number of tools were removed. Hold on. No You're saying a contractor who went in to do work was beaten yeah. and robbed? Yeah, absolutely. No, nobody knows who did it, but I have my ideas. Mother of God almighty. And the 250,000, A, we had to pay the contractor, city council, because this man had to be paid. Uh, and the other thing, we had to, we had to send back 250,000 to government because we weren't able to, draw, we weren't able to uh, put in these facilities. But this is intolerable. We went like. off, let, let me finish, no need. Because this story has to get out there and the truth has to go out there. One of the first things Anne Doherty did and I'm not a big fan of Anne Doherty. I've stayed in my case in City Hall and I've been very, very straight about my opinion of management and style of management in, in, in the city at times. But I have to give her, you know, say, say what's true about the woman. And in fairness, there's a decent side of her. She went down onto the halting site. She sat in mobile homes and in caravans. She listened to mothers and fathers cry about how they're so worried about their children that the cliff face would come down on top of them and how worried they were. And she went away and she said, right, okay, wherever we get the money from, we have to fix this to ensure that their children's safety. Have to give it to her, have to say it in fairness to her. She went off and she did that, got monies from central government, I think over 100,000 euros to secure it. And then when our contractors went in to fix the cliff face, we were sent solicitors' letters and barristers' threats um, because people didn't want to move from underneath the cliff face. Temporarily moved, that is. Temporarily moved. So then we had to go into court and spend another additional thousands of euros on barristers and legal fees to get people temporarily moved who are now back underneath the cliff face, the safe, the safe cliff face. <laughs> so uh, that beggars belief. And that makes you seriously wonder that is just what, is, what is the agenda here. That because is bizarre. It seems to me, it's, well, you know, work it out, Neil. And, you know, you're not a stupid man. I, I, you know, you're quite an intelligent man, actually. Uh, work it out. Who benefits from all this and what is the purpose of it? What is the, I mean, like the amounts of money that have been spent, because um, you, you spoke with Owen English, go, th- go through those numbers, 547,000 in the last 12 years on cleaning up illegal dumping. Yeah. 
collecting 30, uh, 156 tonnes of rubbish in the last two years from directly outside the site. 31,000 euros. 42,402 euros and 94 cents was spent on skips uh, for the period of 20 to 21. That's skips that we provide for them to, uh, for their household waste. 156 tonnes of waste dumped of waste on the road outside the halting site. Uh, uh, in two okay. years? In two, in, how can you in generate, year. in two years, yeah, how can you generate 156 tonnes of waste in two well, years? That would strike me, considering the 42,000 of, uh, of removal of rubbish from the household waste in the site, it would strike me that somebody is running uh, an illegal collections uh, business and dumping directly outside. Ah, come here. Are, are we mugs or what? Like, Well, Neil, you know... That's I mean, there are a lot of things that we can't say. Yeah, I, I understand. Head above the par- I put my head above the parapet when it comes to telling it like it is. Right? And you know that now, and you know my reputation. And I've received death threats, and I've received complaints, and I've received solicitor's letters, and all this sort of stuff in the last number of years. But the reality is, unless somebody stands up and tells the truth, and tells what's really going on... But now that we know, well, your, your version of what really is going on, no, uh, at facts, least... Neil, you don't, know, you don't know my version, you know the facts, because city officials won't put things in black and white in an answer uh, uh, on, on a council floor won't put the facts in black and white. Uh, and these facts, they, what you have in front of you are the questions that I asked to the city manager on the 14th of June at an official council meeting. You won't put those facts in black and white uh, unless they're true. And now that we know, what can be done about it? Well, Neil, what I'm calling for is that we've been in negotiations, I don't know how many times we've been brought to the table by Traveller Visibility Group, Women's Travellers Groups, I know they've called me a racist and called me uh, all sorts of names in the past. Uh, and they've had a, a ticket held in Cork City uh, in Dawn Square with using my image. And I, I'm flattered that anyone would pick it up me. But, um, That's uh, look, a bit over the I'm top, quite, isn't it? Uh, sure, look, it is what it is. Um, but the reality is I'm quite happy to sit down with this group if they're genuine. And I don't believe that there is a genuine bone in their body because it pays them. As I said before, there are people there working, getting paid by the HSC to represent travellers. And what has changed for the travellers? Are people, are, I, I have a serious question, are people on the site that are being offered these houses told not to take it, to hold out, because there may be financial benefit for it, because they were advancing a cause here, there and everywhere. Like the Cork City Council is doing its level best to accommodate people to accommodate uh, what has been outed an ethnic minority. To, uh, no, I understand that it must be very frustrating for Cork City Council on the basis of what you're saying. And then to come along and have a report that took three years to write, a three or four page report that took three years to write to say that we're doing nothing. And to have the numbers here inaccurate. Uh, correct. Correct. So all of this is all, well, uh, for me, anyway, I'm just trying to narrow it down to funnel it down to like, to not offering um, three-bedroom or four-bedroom semis, but to offer independent housing with a considerable amount of land, with an acre of land. Yeah, and I've been at those meetings. I've heard the, I've heard those um, claims that we don't want. To, and this is the claim. But that is and part I, I, of their I, tradition, I, I, then, is I, it not? I, I, to have a bit I, of land and to have a few horses and things like that. That you know, it's, they're not making that up. And should should, should you and I pay for that? And in that case, so Neil, there's a precedent there that everybody in the city who should be treated equally, who's on the housing list, should get an a, a, a garden cottage and an acre of land. 
and enough room for How do the residents feel living with this amongst them? Well, look, I, uh, there's frustration on all sides. Um, there's an ongoing problem with horses, with um, rams, sheep, dogs. Uh, running wild. I've also looked for uh, a veterinarian report on the site. It's not, it's actually under the Department of Agriculture. I've written to the Minister of Agriculture regarding it because there is a serious concern about uh, health and safety of animals on that site. Well, I mean, that, and it's right that there should be, and I know that. And there should be the hands. Uh, I know, but, but I'd be more concerned about maybe it, it, horses that have died on the road. You know, the horses dying. I, I understand all of that. It's an ongoing problem. But you know, this report is talking about about children. Uh, no disrespect to horses and ponies, but. Is there is there is, is, is there a HSE to like there's a resident here for instance a local resident from Ballyvalan texted said why hasn't Tussler the HSE got involved with the children as their parents are forcing them to live in squalor we've we've had reports on your news station on the Irish Examiner on the Irish Times about gunshots going off there we've had reports and I've seen the videos myself of the marquee and the great festivities that went on there during COVID during lockdown. Uh, and I've seen uh, photographs and videos of children drinking um, Wicked and Thursday tobacco pops at these parties. I've passed it on to Tusa, by the way. That goes on in that goes on that goes on in private housing estates as well. I can tell you. Well, you know, no nine-year-old should be given alcohol. Right, that's the reality of it. But you're quite correct. Like now, once are the parents mentioned in this report from the ombudsman? Now, once is Tusla uh, uh, involved? No, there's no reference to children being taken out for their safety. We do know that there's violence going on in the estate. We've seen the videos where there's callouts that have uh, hit that have hit the internet and they've made national media. We've seen the. Um, we, we know for a fact that there was people struck, uh, people attacked, people pelted with rocks. I'm talking about firefighters, I'm talking about Gardaí. So there is a history of violence on the site. And yes, no social worker, from what I understand, has removed one child from the site. I give up, I give up. The Ombudsman for Children uh, seriously needs to be questioned about where where was Tusla and what was Tusla doing? Because I'm sure if if a gunshot was fired in my home or in your home, your children would be removed from you. You know? what 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 happens next? What happens next is people need to manage their expectation. We are trying to sort out a problem. They need to have respect for the community that they're living in. And by respect, I'm I'm talking about not, uh, you know, controlling themselves and and not throwing big parties, not not leaving your horses or animals running wild around Balavalan. And they need to come to the table and they need to say, yes, this is acceptable. But Neil, I will tell you what they have said in previous meetings, is that I don't want to go into a council estate because I don't want my kids going up next to people from a council estate. Oh my God, where would you... My travellers. Where would you even begin to unravel this? All right, okay. Okay, I think people have a much clearer opinion now and a much clearer idea as to what is going on and also we've corrected some of the numbers. Ken, thank you so much. We covered an awful lot of ground. Take care for now. Councillor Ken O'Flynn, back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Uh, take the Ken O'Flynn text, Seymour, if you, if you get a chance. I know you're under pressure, but when you get it done before midday and we'll get them on the air. And nobody wants to listen to the ones like us, but they, we do, but they want us to listen to the ones about how they worked when they were around 10 years old, starting out and earning their shillings. And they got their few pound an hour back in the day. The same people who were given driving licenses for free without tests, who got their mortgages for nothing and had families started in their late 20s. My generation, the 30s, 
don't have the luxury of any of that, I can tell you. We have to listen to the others, but we don't have it. If you want to achieve the traditional Irish family, it's have a child or get a mortgage, not both. And I'm one of the lucky ones taking in a very good wage. The same people would pander and say, "'Tis so difficult these days, but you just roll up your sleeves and do what I did and you'll get there." I know a lot of the time those are just words and they're empty words and those people who have the reality of living with it differently, isn't it true? Listen, if I could lighten your load, uh, I would. And if I could sort problems for every single person in the world, but we're certainly a listening ear. So feel free as always to get in touch if you have a story to share. You can email neil at redfm.ie. Pick up the phone always on 1-850-104-106. And indeed, text 0868104106. Um, I'm listening to your show and it's really hitting home to me. As I write this message, uh, I'm on my way to the homeless service in town. I got a notice to quit, you see, from my landlord in October. Thankfully, I got longer time to stay with level five restrictions. I've tried to get a mortgage twice, been refused. I'm on the housing list eight years and four months. I've tried everything I can find to find a home for myself and my sons aged eight and three. I now have 18 days left to find a new home for us. It's impossible. Can't come on air. I'm just far too upset to speak. Could you imagine living with that? Literally a day clock ticking. Today it's 18, tomorrow it's 17, and you can't stop time. Neil, can you ask Kenneth Flynn why single people with no children have absolutely no chance of securing a council house? Single people that work can afford to pay rent by themselves of 500 or more a month, depending on income. Um, why don't council do this? Always say, no, I'll stop there because I'm not following that text and I'm just reading out words aimlessly. So I won't, I won't read it out. I want to kind of drill into the numbers that you're talking about. So I'll come back to those in a few minutes time. Let me go back to the phone lines. Jim, I almost read your text out. My apologies. Jim, good morning. Yeah, you know what, buddy. Thanks very much. Uh, you're welcome. And, and the numbers that you're going to call, you can stand over these now, yeah? The population is 5 million, Neil, and there's, there's 5 million. There's only 3.6 Irish in the country. That's four, 1.4 foreigners. Um, like, you know, there's a million of them, you know, either have migrated here or they're refugees. It doesn't matter what, what they are. They're here. That's it. And they're welcome. But like, you can't sort out the housing problem without sorting out the number of people that are looking for it. The stock isn't big enough. And if at a thousand people a week coming in here, you, it's not, they're not going to cure it. And the detriment to this, Neil, is that our own young people are going to emigrate again. We're going to have another bloody flight of earls. And this will be the third time this has happened in 20 years. And as Irish people, we're allowing this to happen. And that's wrong. We're not giving our young people a chance. They're never going to achieve a home, let alone meet the nice girl along the road and decide to have kids. They're all going to emigrate. We're going to lose our kids again. And that's the bigger problem that I see it here. And that's wrong. Our own kids are getting nothing. And okay. I just think that's terrible. That's okay. terrible. In 10 years, over a million people came to live in Ireland, either as migrants or refugees. Um, and and you're, you're quoting a number of a thousand a week continue to come every week from abroad. If you, if you walk the stats, that's what's coming in. Accommodation and help from the state is needed with all of that a lot of the time. Yeah, I mean, given the figures, look, we used to always have, um, before any of this, we used to always have 40,000 Irish who emigrate out of Ireland. We generally had about 42, 45 coming into Ireland. That was in the good times of the overflow, and that's why our population stayed pretty right. But now with this, I mean, any kid that's 25 to 35 that meets a girl or a girl that meets a boy or whatever mix they do it now, and they want to start a family or, or a home, their only choice to get accommodation is to go abroad. 
I'm basically telling them to go abroad. There's no help. The banks won't give them mortgages. You know? Yeah. And, so and and of course, that creates pressure within the existing housing stock then because there's just not enough to go around with, you know, and not enough yeah. ever being built. Uh, and yeah, more yeah, and more. Get on top of it. I mean, the, the council in fairness are doing great things, but like that's the situation. The council have loads of land, start releasing land to private individuals, do sites, let people build their own house. There's other things they could be doing, you know. It's not just the one plan, let's build a half a million pound house and give it to someone. You know, um, I mean, I met a girl in the North Mains or the North Man last week. I, the first time I met her was seven years ago when she had her first son. I think she came in from Africa somewhere. I'm assuming that by the colour. She could have came from France. I don't know. But her son at that stage was two or something, a handsome child. She now has three children and she's still in that same muggy accommodation that she was back then. What would that be? Some kind of apartment rental, is it? To the house with a load of people renting it, but it's terrible. And I, I sent her to the corporation for housing. Then that was that must have been six, eight years ago. And I just met her there again. Oh, she's gorgeous children. And she she can't get housed. Now, something is wrong when you have a woman with three kids and a husband, let them come from refugee. Well, I don't care where they come from, but there's a priority there. Get the families housed, get them into communities, get them into proper schools, settle them down and give everybody a chance. That's but, utopia. But do you, do you accept that, that we need migration into the country for economy and jobs, you know, for pharma and tech and things like that? Absolutely. Call centres. But, but only, look, if you need a plumber, you're not going to bring in, um, uh, you know, someone that picks grapes, you know. If you need someone from the tech, get someone that's into tech. The, this kind of um, overwash your hands that everybody in and we see what we have is wrong. You see how Britain has done the... Um, the new, the new uh, migrant into their country. You have to have a trade. You have to have gone to college. Come with something. Come to the, come to the community. Yeah, but those, those numbers of, like the refugee asylum seeker numbers, they're tiny by comparison to the problem. You know, they're not, that's not the problem. Well, the East doesn't estate. They were given away two years ago there to the Syrians. And I have no problem with this. I think everyone should have a house, right? A whole housing estate was given to them. Now, I know they needed it, but these were half million pound homes. Come on, I mean, there's a problem. There's only so much money in the economy. You're paying for it and I'm paying for it. And the cost is this, that your son can't get a house or my son left emigrate. That's the cost of it. You can put pity away. Yeah, but Cork City Council, I'm told, paid €900,000 plus a €20,000 grant for two houses on the Scahard Road three years ago. I mean, mean, imagine how many houses could have been built for a a million euro. That's two. For half a million a pop with all the regulations? No, I mean you'd be no, no, four easily because they could because they could have negotiated a much better deal. Um, you know, if they built them themselves. Never negotiated a deal, Neil. Every time, if the council goes in and the shop is two hundred thousand, it comes out of four hundred thousand. Well, Desi, it's no, Desi's text. He says that that nine hundred, just over nine hundred thousand euro, could have been used to refurbish dozens of empty houses in the city, rather than buying two big, classy ones on the Scarhard Road. I don't know if they were classy. I'm assuming they must have. Especially the charities picking up the houses as well, Neil. We focus all on all these people buying apartments. This is what I'm saying to you: like the, the house that needs to be refurbished. That's for Johnny and Mary who wants to buy a house and start off a family. They're competing against Cork County Council and charities. And the charities are getting money from the state and from us. We're not giving our own kids a chance. That's all I'm saying. Do you think that this is all going to explode if it hasn't done already? It's exploding already, Neil. Are you telling me that in the next two years that we won't see our children going abroad and emigrating? 
I'm not. I don't know whether they'll be emigrating, but I have no idea where they'll be living. Well, they, they certainly won't be living in Ireland, and like they're all living with mammy and daddy. I certainly have it at home. All right, my man. As always, much appreciate oh, people you. coming on air. You and most. Hey, we love him today. Just in case he's listening, he's have to leave home. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jim. <all> right. <laughs> Typical right. cork humor. Thanks for that. Nice to end on that note. Um, it's very interesting. I was watching some show there recently. Uh, I think it might have been from the 1880s or something. And they were talking. I'm open to correction on this. I'm just generalizing now. But they were talking about, well, with the world's population as it is now, it's something like three billion. And I said, hang on, so you got that all wrong. He just said three billion. And then I thought, well, maybe you didn't get it all wrong. Maybe the population of the planet was three billion, 100 or 150 years ago. Um, and uh, in that space of time, what, what is it now? Eight, eight billion? Fast approaching eight billion? I mean, talk about growth. And, and that's not, even, that's not a gr- even a grain of sand, that period of time, in the, in, in, in the scope of all time, if you like. Mind you, mind you, like man, mankind isn't even a grain of sand in the scale of all time either. I think if you were to say, like if you were to say, I'm probably getting off topic here, but if, like if you gave us what, 300,000 years, half a million maximum for mankind, yeah? yeah? Before that we weren't around at all. Say half a million, I'm being generous at half a million. The blooming dinosaurs were around for 175 million as kings of the castle. And look at the damage that we've done in 100 to 150 years. We burnt up every single fossil fuel available. We've destroyed the planet, they say. Um, But I don't think we've actually destroyed the planet because the planet will be just fine. The planet will extinct us. It's done so five or six times before. And the planet will recover. We just won't be around. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850 104 Ah, yes, indeed, lads. We should all pause for thought at this stage. And uh, our condolences and wishes should go to the family of the late Barry Collin because news is just breaking this morning now as I speak to you that the skeletal remains found in the, in the car off the pier down Cross Avon Way uh, have been identified as those of the man missing since 2004 and the Gardaí said that DNA evidence confirmed that the remains are those of Barry, Barry Collin. The 23-year-old went missing from Cross Avon in the early hours of May 1st in 2004 and his disappearance remained uh, a mystery until volunteers from the Cork City Missing Persons Search and Rescue discovered the car on the water close to the Hugh Coveney Pier in Cross Avon last month. And now we can say that the DNA evidence has confirmed that the remains were those of poor Barry Collin. And uh, I know that I spoke to Barry's family in the past and our thoughts are with them uh, this morning. Um, uh, it, it may be uh, some form of closure for them, but a tragedy that, um, that certainly will leave its mark. It's very sad. They've been hold- they had been ho- I remember at the time they've been holding vigils at the waterside and have been for weeks now. So uh, that's uh, an update to that story. It's very, very tragic, but at least, at least they know. At least they know. Lines are open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Incidentally, I will be coming back to what I call fence gate. The ongoing calls of 
dodgy rogue traders who clearly haven't a clue what they're doing. Uh, and I'm happy to say that we're also getting some more texts from other tradespeople who also might want to help in some shape or form. And I'll update with Catherine because she's going to have workers down there looking at the state of the work. And I'm mad keen to hear about it from a professional's point of view. But an interesting one here from Michelle. So just listen to the lady, Catherine. My heart breaks for her. Uh, if we can donate to get our garden sorted out, if she ever needs anything, please pass on her number. I live between Mallow and Kenturk. I don't know her, but I and I know of others who would also love to help. That's very kind. There are also, I haven't got them in front of me here now, but there are also some texts and one or two emails from other tradespeople who also would like to help those that have been uh, fallen victim uh, to this uh, type of scamming. Um, and I think at this stage it'll be the morning before I come back to that one. So my apologies for that. Anne, good morning. Anne, thanks for holding. Good morning, Neil. Are you, are you talking as a foster carer? I am. Yeah. I am talking as a foster care okay. and somebody who has, I suppose I've had about 20 children down through the years. Yeah. And but what, what I want to focus on really is about the aftercare. When a child, you know, reaches the age of 18, they can be supported with the aftercare system probably up to the age of 23 if they continue in education. I suppose one of the things against that is a lot of the children don't want to continue in education and then, unfortunately, the aftercare system pulls back. Okay, and is it those you wish to address now, the 18-year-olds who would... They, they have to go well, from you at 18, do they? That would be the idea, that they would go or else they have to continue in education. Okay, but... they like it or not. Yeah. But I suppose what I was really thinking about is those who reach even the age of 23... But where are they going to go if they have, you know, they've had a very tough start in life, things haven't been made easy for them, and now they find they can, they can go on a housing list from the age of 18, but by the age of 23, sure, there's still another seven, ten years to go before they're going to be offered accommodation. Ah, yeah, and, and was, that's a very that's vulnerable that. group. Absolutely. You are looking at them, going, a lot of them end up in the homeless situation, and that's so wrong. To be given a start, to come from a very bad situation, we give them the best we can. But then what is there for them? Our kids may go on and, you know, I know it's difficult to try and get maybe a, a good qualification, to try and get a job, pay rent and whatever. But you're looking at kids who need support. The aftercare system has lots of positive things about it. But at the age of 23, where are they going to go? There are no facilities or no single apartments or where do they go? Like, do you have case history? No, not personal ones, obviously. I don't really. I don't really. I did help um, another that had been with us and his girlfriend to get accommodation. I did help that, help them out, and they're the only ones I can really refer to. But if somebody else who is looking at a situation in the next year, two years, and I don't know what's going to happen. I, don't I must know what be desperately is. worrying that you have somebody coming out, coming out of foster care at eighteen. What's the what? What is the plan at eighteen then? What what are they? What well, do they do? I, I don't have that situation. He's continuing on, so it would be maybe twenty three when he would, you know, maybe leave. But I don't know. We have a few years to think about it. But what can we do? You is can't they, hold on to them forever. They don't automatically get a, an offer of accommodation from no. a council. No. No. Oh. No. There are talks occasionally that. Some accommodation was to be built with the aftercare system in mind, but it has been knocked on its head from the year 2008 because of the economic situation. So these houses were never built, these apartments, whatever, were never built. But if you contact the aftercare 
um, office in Cork, they would talk to you very openly and they would have far more information than I would have. Okay, but you're talking you're talking about two different sets of of numbers. One is the those that go on to twenty three, which is clearly third level education. Those who don't at eighteen, which would be a boy or a girl, would leave the foster care home to paddle their own canoe. Yes, sometimes they can go back to their previous home. That can be an option. Sometimes, more times they'll try and share. But the cost of rent, it, it, the I suppose the kind of jobs that these kids are going to get would not give them enough money yeah. to, we'll say, pay a rent. So they would go on on, on welfare then, is it? Oh yes. And that and that okay, and then and then unfortunately some of them would end up probably falling into bad company. Well, there's nothing else to do. So if you take it at 23 that they come out with a 200 and whatever it is, 203 euro a week, how can you pay rent if, you know, if the rent is 1,200 a month and you're sharing a house? You won't have enough money to pay your rent out of 203 euro and survive. So if they're put on a housing list then, it's very unlikely, as you said in your text, that any kind of a single boy would ever get a house. No. Yeah. And what would be encouraging, and, and why do you put down... You, you said in the text, what, what you're going to do with girls, encourage them to have a few kids, is it? Well, no, I'm not going to encourage anybody to have children unless they have somewhere to, to look after them. And no, in, in order to get accommodation. But, but this is the impression that is given out there that, oh, you can't get, if you get on the housing list, um, if the more children you have, the better chance you have of getting a house. But that's totally wrong. That's so, so unfair to the children that you're bringing into a situation. You know, like that lady you had earlier on, you know, with her children trying to look for accommodation or having, you know, a, a date over your head that you have to get out by. That's not a good way to bring children into this life. Okay, okay. Listen, th- th- okay. thank you for focusing our thoughts on that. But I need to get a call in before I quit. But it certainly is something else that needs another aspect of the scenario that we're facing, this impending scenario. Actually, it's not impending. It's here. Marta, good morning. How are you? How are you? Are you okay? Uh, I'm just a little bit stressed to talk about it. I know. You sent this is an email that you sent me, I believe, is it? Yeah, I texted on WhatsApp, yeah. Oh my god, you sat down, you texted so many words. So many <sighs> words. Because you heard other girls very in a very similar situation. Did you get a notice of termination? We got a notice at the end of the May. This May. Um, we were shocked, we weren't uh, even taught about it, you know. So we got noticed uh, from our agent that our landlord wants to sell a house and we have to vacate the property in the next six months. So that's why I understand that we are renting and that may happen. The thing is just... No, but it can only happen if he's giving it to a family member or she's giving it to a family or selling. Like, yeah, she's so happy to sell it now. Yeah, okay. she don't. She doesn't want to be landlord anymore. Okay, that's what I was told because she's paying too much tax, tax, and she can't afford it. So just you know, okay. the words. Okay. Okay. That's the words. So the problem is there is no houses to rent in our area now, and because of our child, he be six. We would love to stay in the area. We don't want to change the school. You're down West Cork? Yes. And your six-year-old son has huge social separation anxiety yes. issues? 
Exactly, and he's selective immunity, which means he is uh, okay to speak to family members only. Where now, with work that was done with me, uh, speech and language therapist, psychologist, and school, fantastic school, fantastic teacher and stuff, the words are coming. It's only words. It's a number, like one, two. But the words are coming. He is feeling super fantastic in school. He loves school. Okay, but the selective mutism, is that improving? Is he now talking to others besides family members? No, no. Wow, and has anybody told you why he is... He is living with that. That's the condition. It's a phobia of, like, if you have a phobia of height, of water, that's a phobia of speech, you know? This and, will improve in time. And, that's, and that also then manifests itself in, in separation anxiety issues, social exactly, anxiety? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. He, that, that he was, did they tell you that was from birth? We don't know, like, we don't know. Nothing, nothing happened, like? No, no, there wasn't any, like, um, accident, no, big fright, no, nothing like that, no. Okay, He was, he's just like that, you know? But he's fantastic, clever boy, so many praises from school, even he isn't speaking. He found a way to communicate by hands, by pointing. He is reading in English, he is counting, he does... Web everything well over other boys. It's just that speech is affecting him and the anxiety, which is, which like I wouldn't like that it will be building up. I just want to lessen down, you know. And this will and, this will not help. And the, the moving of the house, moving like moving of school will not help. No, I t- I was told that he will regress. He will he will go backwards. A good few months or even up to two years. So that's where we were starting. So have you, have you started looking for alternative accommodation? Yes. As I, uh, as, I, like, as I was texting to you, it's only a few weeks we have a notice. But I, was, I spread the word everywhere. I'm looking everywhere. I, I, I chatted to everybody, even the person that I know from, only from, you know, hi, hello. I said, look, you know me. We said hi. We we met each other. Could you just please let me know if we meet another time? If you f- if you have someone that is looking for tenants, if you hear about some house to rent, I I, I spread the word everywhere. I'm looking and on Daft, on internet, there's nothing at the moment. There could be Macroom, there could be uh, in Shannon, which is far far away to drive. Especially that my husband works in Cork. So he is actually driving for night shift and he's coming back to West Cork. So we would like to be in the area so so that we can drive to school every day with our boy. Yeah, well... If you know what I mean. I, I know, I think that there might be some driving involved now in fairness though, you know. I know Somebody. that, like, even Clonacilty would be like 15 minutes from school, but that's fine, that's all right, once it's not 40 minutes. And trip, how, you know? how are you bearing up? Because you, you said in your, in your message that you're not sleeping and that... Uh, no, I am, I am, I'm really worried. I'm, I'm heartbroken. Mm. That there is no house, not, not, I know it could be, like, it'll be hard to get it, but there isn't 
anything, even to go and have a meeting to see if we will be good to, to rent it, you know? There's no house in the area at the moment. It's so quiet. I was told that there's some council houses building up in Klanakliti. They will be handed over, but we don't know when. So... And I'm starting early because I know like six months it'll pass just like that. Oh, you can't stop time. I said it earlier on this morning. How's your, yeah, how's your yeah. husband bearing up in all of this? You know, like he's a man. He's hiding everything. But I know he's, he's worried too. So you put on a brave it's face hard. though, but, but you, you put on a happy face. But you're not happy. I have to. I'm not happy, no. I'm not happy. I'm listening to the radio helps a lot, you know, talking about all the suicides and stuff like that. It does help some people, you know. Yeah, sharing a problem. Yeah, I know, sharing a problem. I feel awful for you. I really do. How long long are you here? Were were all the kids born here and everything? Yes, like, um, I'm 32. We came to Ireland as um, a... Not the refugees, the... Asylum? The others. No, 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 we are from Poland, we came like... Oh, yeah, um, just immigrant working, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just to find, like, I was 15 when my my mom came here. I'm Ah, here 17 years this year. So, most, like... This is home, this is is place, this is... This is your place. West Cork, it's my love, you know. And kids are very, very happy here. And And my son, like... and, yeah. and, 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 and I imagine that part of the reason that there's so little to rent is many people already have snapped them up during COVID, during COVID and remote working and going back home and renting yeah. their own, you yeah. know, you're, yeah. it's been a, it's been a perfect storm, you see. I know, it's a tough time, very tough. We were like, we were so happy, you know, with all the restrictions and everything. We were so happy to have our fields and walks with boys and everything, know, you know. I know, As a mom, it's devastatingly worrying for you. It really is. It really yeah. is. I'm going to, I'm going to pick. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. My husband will be like, will be happy to come back to uh, move closer to Cork as he is working in Cork, but because of our boy. I, I, I would have thought places would have been freeing up because an awful lot of people went back home to Eastern Europe during the pandemic. You see, like West Cork, no, nothing. It's Bantry, which is really like 100 kilometers from his work, one way. I know. And then we will have to move to school. We will have to go through all, every, again, you know. I know, I know. I know he's a brave boy. He did, he's doing so well, but... The fear that it won't be as as it was now. No, it will knock. It, yeah, you're you know? saying that they've told you that it will knock back he his can, selective mutism. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. can block completely. We don't know how he will react. You know, like we didn't tell him for a long time, but he just, you know, when you're talking, he's so smart. He just found out. Okay, there is something going on, mommy. Yeah, yeah. We are moving house. Yes, you are packing up. Please just keep my school. Oh please, no! Please don't go too far from school, from my friends. Oh no, that's awful for you, Marta. Yeah. It's awful. When you hear this, you know, just your heart broke. You feel a failure. I know. I know. Yeah. And you're not. It's not your fault. You know. It's just life. I know. 
Listen. So just please, if, uh, if there's anyone, absolutely, or, absolutely, if anyone hears about a house or that some someone will be leaving a house in the area, don't man with Clonakilty, kill me in Rosmore. Just please, you can give my details, and I'd be so happy to go and let's chat put and it, to look. Let's put it out there. Let's put it out there to the universe and see who comes back. All right. Thank you so much. Okay, Marta, cheers. Bye for now. And thank you, Seamus. Thank you. All right, Bye-bye. take care. I'll pass on your thanks. That's the Dunmanway, Clonakilty area. Very distraught. Desperate mother, actually. You can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. Neil Prendeville, the voice of Cork. Weekdays 9 to 12. Cork's Red FM.